Yeah. Hey, card things. I heard these things are good. <laughs> Tell us about cards. Yeah, this, this, this is a card podcast. We, we yeah. card very hard. So the most important thing about cards is learn to flick them. I've never yeah. learned that, actually. And it's important it that like, yeah, it makes the, it wrong, like right, the, right, yeah, the right sound. Yeah. Mm. Oh, you mean flick, flicking them in your hand? I thought you meant like flipping them like across the table or something. Chaos no, no, yeah. dude. No, this is not old school, dude. Like, like, <laughs> I heard Andrea uh, missed his Chaos Orb flip on stream. Oh, man, yeah. He was, he, was, he was so oh, bad. Oh, shame has been brought to several oh, generations of his family. I love you, bud, but that was hard to watch. You know, 100 years from now, his ancestors will talk about it. Do you remember that flip? <laughs> Kai, do you know what it was targeting? Well, I, I don't know the, the card he was targeting, but I was literally commentating that match with Andreas uh -huh. Peterson. Yeah. Yeah, that's Ooh. the one, yeah. Did, 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 did he do the thing when, when he missed it? Uh, he did. He did. Yeah, I mean, there were like a bunch of noises. I, I just couldn't <laughs> just tell what that was. I, it could have been Italian, could have been Japanese, couldn't really tell, yeah. <laughs> okay, and with that, hello and welcome to Everyday Eternal number 126, your favorite, most deceptively named bi-weekly legacy podcast. Today's show is brought to you well, by basically everyone in the world. Uh, that's, that's what I just made up here. If you want to join everyone in the world and support the running of the show directly, you can support us on patreon.com slash everydayeternal. Guys, I, I have never missed uh, a Chaos Hop flip, but I think I've also not done it properly because I, I guess from what I see on, on stream... They they like let it fall on their index finger and then it's forced to basically turn around. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. I've never done one like with a proper chaos orb. But then when I watched that, I uh, got like a couple of cards on my desk and tried to do it. It's a lot harder than it looks. So I'm not gonna make fun of him too much. It looks pretty hard. It's actually something in the rules that you are not allowed to intervene by like blowing on the card or something. I don't know what the rules are because I think they played like a, a Swedish rules of old school as well. So like... well, those are the prison rules. Right, exactly. So, like, I mean, before the tournament, it was it was crazy to watch because, like, most people were like practicing the the the, <laughs> the, the, the the flips, you know. Like in all in any other tournament, people kind of like, double check the deck list or like you know talk to people. <laughs> I don't know, sleeve up some cards. And those old school players are literally just flipping random cards on the table. And it's like, what the hell are you? Talking? I love I love what that the, picture. What You're, like, the looking hell are you doing? Yeah, the hall. And there's just like all these like young kids, you know, writing out deck lists, talking about cyborg guys, what do I do here, blah, blah, blah. And then you just have a bunch of older, oh. older ones like in the corner just flipping cards. <laughs> it's a so great in picture. that way, I guess old school is the most athletic of all the magic formats. Absolutely. Pretty much so, yeah. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt in my mind. <laughs> you know, one day I want to see the, the Sumas come into old school and completely annihilate it. Like, I really want to see what the Sumas would do in old school. By flipping Chaos Orbs. No, just like figuring out the format. I mean, it's from the outside, it always feels like it's figured out ish, uh, even though people tell me, oh no, there's innovation. There's more innovation. I'm like, uh, I don't know about that. But before we go into, into that, uh, maybe we should bring our, our listeners um, up to speed about what we're talking about. We're talking about Tier 1 Con in Malmö in Sweden that happened, I think, the other weekend. Uh, mm -hmm. Pretty big. Not only legacy, but uh, card gaming event as a whole. I think they've been around for quite a while. And I think this year is actually the first year I've heard about them. And Kai, you you went there, right? But be before we go into that, why, why don't you bring us like uh, up to speed about what's going on in your life? I think you, you have a big anniversary coming up, right? I played a little bit of Lone Parks earlier this day on stream uh, because my Discord told me to do so. And I just I just want to stretch how how busted Vidabloom command is because uh, it literally won me two games like one versus Doomsday where it milled my opponent because for some reason it has like the, the mill um, option <laughs> and you can also target your opponent which I think is pretty crazy 
And the other one, I drained my Lance opponent because he wasn't too alive. Anyway, um, I'm I'm just I'm just gonna say like I'm super super happy to be on stream again. Uh, I haven't streamed a lot lately because um, I was like it's like so much stuff going on in Berlin. I thought that I have more time to like to stream, but like you know, uh, like other projects. I just finished another painting, a couple of alterations. Um, also, I have to cook more in Berlin because like the the food out uh, the food outside is pretty pretty much garbage. Uh, so that also <laughs> takes a lot of time, you know. Just, it's kind, it's kind of interesting. But uh, I, I hopefully get to stream a little more. And also, I think this month is the my one year anniversary uh, in terms of like streaming. So um, I'm gonna like celebrate it. And yeah, dude, Congrats. yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably gonna happen. It's probably gonna happen next week. I'm super, super pumped and excited. And there will be probably a lot of sake and champagne during. Can't believe it's been a year already. It felt like you've been streaming for. I don't That's, know. I Actually, know it's crazy, yeah. right? We should and force I think, you to play drunk DNT. I will. If you tell, like, if, if everyone <laughs> wants me to do, wants to watch that, uh, I'm, dude, I'm here for it, really. Literally anything. Or, like, get you really drunk and do speedrunning oops or spells or something. I mean, I Callum, just, just, just give me the, you know, just, just give me that mono red painter deck already, you know, just. Oh, you know, you know. You know what you should do? You should stream Shandala. Hmm. Have you ever heard about Shandala? No, is that a commander deck? <laughs> it's like the OG magic game. Yeah, oh. there's there's a single player magic game where you literally you walk around in the world and you fight other planeswalkers and it's it plays by the pre sixth edition rules. It's like all over the place and sometimes you will walk walk into people and they will kill you on the first turn. Uh, it's it's one of the coolest experiences and I think people should stream it more even though it's fundamentally broken. Yeah, that's I I, I can I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we'll figure it out. We'll figure okay, it out. Um, we gotta that, figure there it should out. be a way to get it to run on your system. We're gonna figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool. Uh, Callum, uh, how's your life? It's good. We, we heard that Mr. Bozo has actually stepped down, right? Just yes. Today. It's brilliant. I'm, uh, it's a glorious day today at work. In the morning, we were just watching the news, not doing anything. Yeah, that's the most exciting thing for me. Uh, to see what <laughs> our mess of a government is going to do next. It's just absolute shambles. But um. Otherwise, I'm back to my normal routine after, you know, settling back in, playing Legacy on Tuesdays, bit of Toy Soldiers, aka Warhammer, the rest of the week. Hell yeah. Yeah, just being a nerd. That's me. Awesome. <laughs> any, any, ch yeah. any chance you will run for, for government anytime soon? Well, I'm already knighted by the Queen, right? So I can just get in when I want to. Oh, I think we talked about that. I, I totally, yeah. I must have missed that. I can't believe uh, you uh, forgot. You're like, well, you missed the announcement. Uh, well, why exactly did you get knighted? I'm not allowed to talk about that. Aka, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of an answer. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty sure we talked about that on the Discord, but I don't remember. Yeah, but there, there has there has been a knighthood for you, and uh, mm -hmm. we we'll eventually figure out where, where it's going. Can yeah. can foreigners get knighthood in in the UK? If you try really hard. <laughs> is, that, is that what it says <laughs> in the constitution? Oh, I forgot you guys don't have a constitution. Word, no. Word, no word for word, I, I wrote it myself. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That, that's right. Did you know that like um, David Beckham apparently like his life goal is to be to get a knighthood, and the Queen has only offered him something like that's a step below, like I don't know, officer of the empire, or whatever. And apparently he's really pissed. And the reason they like, never never offered a knighthood is because there's like lots of text cheating going on on his side. So they were like, you know what? If that's what you do, no knighthood for you, Mr. Beckham. Didn't know that. I guess he's been doing lots of charity, but I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a real thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. But yeah, um, 
Speaking, okay, this is a weird, speaking of another kingdom, Sweden, Kai. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that's Dude, quite a yeah, segue. Man, those, those transitions, holy yeah. moly. Hey. Yeah, how, how was Sweden for you? How how did you, was it your first time in Sweden? Uh, yes, it was my absolute first time in Sweden. It's a, a beautiful country, literally any everyone on the street looks either like an angel or like a Viking. Uh, it's, it's crazy, really, like a lot of, like, a lot of tall people, everyone's blonde, beautiful. Um... So uh, you speak to the very, very southern tip of of Sweden. It's like, oh, beautiful country. I've seen it all. <laughs> Everybody looks the same. What? <laughs> yeah, it was, like Malmo is just like the like the tip of the iceberg. I want to say it's the it's the very bottom part. But hey, um, the event itself was 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 pretty was pretty cool. Um, the a pretty big venue. Um, almost like GP size. I want to say. Uh, looks like they they didn't get like the full capacity of players because um. I don't know what happened, but they had like way, way too many like uh, tables and chairs ready for like you know so many people. But uh, the attendance was not as high as, as uh, expected. I don't really know what um, why that is. Maybe because of summer. Maybe I mean they didn't advertise on the Everyday Channel podcast. I already something they didn't. <laughs> right, that's a big mistake. Yeah, mm. there we have it, it. It was like it got through to our channels a bit, but it wasn't. I don't know advertised as widely as some other things. Maybe like utilized Twitter a bit more and stuff. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, maybe so. Hopefully, I mean, the thing is, like, so as we said, I think this was the first time they did magic, at least. I'm sure. I, I don't know if the actual events happened multiple times before. Uh, I, I'm not actually sure. I could be wrong here, but um, yeah, maybe this is like the the first time. I wasn't able to make it because I had too many thing, other things going on. But I heard mostly positive things about it, so I'm going to try very hard to go next time. So it's one oh, of these yeah. things where you just attendance will grow. Hopefully, as long as they keep doing it. Right, absolutely, and like, dude, like for me, it doesn't really matter how many people attend. It's 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 more important that the, how do, I don't want to say like that the right people went but um, attend. But I had I met so many incredible people. Like not only uh, people like Andreas Petersen or like uh, Andrea Mengucci, you know, like, like people who did the coverage, uh, and I was even part of the coverage team for like for um for a day. Uh, it was on Friday. Um, but also a lot of um, just everyday tone listeners. I met Gristlebrand tier supporter Victor Bernards um, nice. at awesome. the Legacy tournament for the first time. You know, like like getting like so much good feedback from like so many people. It it it's, it's really like it really tells something. You know, yeah. There's like a lot of people who really enjoy. Um, well, you know the goofy shit we're talking about. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> what what did it for me when when I was looking through like the like saw a picture of the final standings and I was like I recognize that name and that name and that name. So I, I I wouldn't care how I did. I wouldn't even care about like playing that much again. The numbers, as you say, I just want to meet all these people and just you know. Yeah, I had go, the exact same experience. And have drinks and stuff. I had the exact same experience when I looked at the top sixteen and like out of the top sixteen there were like ten or twelve people I used to hang out with at events and I haven't seen in quite a while. I was like, this is this is like a family gathering in that top sixteen. What's going on there? <laughs> yeah, legacy family <laughs> gathering. Yeah, I, I I could literally I think at least half of the top sixteen I've traveled to events with and and like stayed together and everything. So yeah, that, that was really really cool. Also, uh, like a pretty big showing from the North German legacy crowd. I, I saw mm. a lot of of players from there that, that whom I recognized. This is another reason for me to move to Europe so I can go to go to more events over there, like drive around. It's so nice. Yeah, right. the, you got to do your own Brexit. You, you're <laughs> yeah. going to do the your entrance or something. That, that That's not as marketable. Callum Brexit something. I don't know. Ka Kalexit. 
<laughs> you go to Calais, oh, no. so it's like Calexit or something. I don't oh, know. <laughs> can, can I quit the podcast after yeah. your recording? <laughs> <laughs> and we gotta, we gotta, we gotta cut this part, of course. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> As we do, sure, sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, Kai, um, you already mentioned you you enjoyed the event, right? Um, before we go into into your event, I think one of the or rather, I think the only real criticism I've seen about the event was that the legacy main event uh, was a 5k was held as a rules enforcement level regular as opposed to competitive. And I think one of the biggest differences with regards to that is uh, on regular, you, you're you not required to have decklists. And that's also like... Exactly. I think I think that was like the, the, the huge blowout problem. Um, because like uh, most people probably assumed at this point that um, if you attend an event with at least 60 players or even more like 100 or whatever um you're supposed to have a decklist ready because that's how we how we've been doing it for so many years at gps and, and whatnot and um on friday i got the information that only the modern main event was a regular uh, was a competitive aerial um, tournament with more than 200 players and literally anything else so be it the legacy main event old school any side event they were all regular uh rel which means like no deck lists are required and also the um there are less uh how do you say like like uh, game losses and things like that so just like a for example a little little uh, story from um from a um buddy martin nielsen who uh had a pretty short trip you know f- because he he lives in denmark um i think right across the bridge g- yeah right across the bridge so like he for example he had a he played doomsday and in game one um now in game two his pondas got surgically extracted and in game three he forgot to shuffle in those pondas back in his deck and he realized after he resolved a doomsday in game three right and he's like literally like you know finishing the pile and then right after that he went like oh i guess i played a 56 card deck for the whole time and like you know because the pondas are still in exile his opponent also realized that they called the judge and the judge casually went like yeah you know what i'll just put them in exile you know with the other cards you know just don't, don't <laughs> like don't even worry about it right and which is fine, but I think it kind of it kind of took the, the the competitive um, aspect of the of the tournament. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's more in line with what you would do like a Friday Night Magic, right? That's that's the whole spirit behind it. It's just like, oh, don't worry, it's gonna be okay. Which is yeah. like not compatible with I want to say the prices and as well as like the the mindset of the players you would expect to attend this tournament. Like when you have people flying from from Italy, from France, or whatever to to Sweden for a legacy event. Uh, they do it in, in, for competitive reasons. And I think we, we don't need to be like the crazy strictest guys. Like there's even um, rules enforcement level professional above that. But I think competitive would have very much been in order. I think, I think so, there yeah. was a little bit of misunderstanding of the TOs and what the players wanted. This is just based on the like the people chatter I've read about and stuff. I think the idea was legacy might be more of a casual format and they're just coming to have fun and play some old cards and stuff, which... It probably applies more to like old school or those kind of older nostalgia formats. Not to say that that can't be competitive as well. Of course it can. But um, I think that was maybe the expectations when really it, it's not actually accurate. And I think yeah. that feedback has been passed back to them. So I'd be pretty surprised if it was run at regular Ariel again. But yeah, that was definitely right. the the worst thing I, I heard about it. But I didn't hear any nightmare stories. Like some things like that happened with Martin and stuff. It'd be pretty funny if it was a Thassa's Oracle that got exiled, and then Game Three he's like, "Shit, where is it?" <laughs> like, just, just, just put, just put it in the pile, you know. Just yeah, don't even worry about it. <laughs> I'm gonna grant you a free living wish. It's let's okay. Just, let's just say it was in your hand. It's fine. 
<laughs> but oh, um, Chuch Curlum, that, that's going to be yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that feedback's been passed on a lot, and otherwise, like I, I was quite relieved to hear that. Like I talked to some people, and they said they didn't hear any stories of like you know people cheating. Like it's the kind of thing where you could have four ley lines in your sideboard, and then as you get to the top tables, you're like, okay, all the graveyard decks are not here, so then you just swap them for something else. Like that could happen, but. Yeah. Literally, that thing happened at one of our local events uh, t- over 10 years ago, GP Trial yeah. for GP Madrid 2010. There was a guy playing Dredge, and he had no ley lines in the sideboard. And in the semi-finals of the GP Trial in, in Nuremberg in Munich, he was playing the Mirror. So he went to the bathroom, added four ley lines to his deck, then won the semi-finals. And I oh, think dude. they split the finals because because both players in the finals got like three buys, as you used to get at the GP Trial. Hmm. I, I like I still can't believe the the audacity of somebody doing that. Like literally, this is a decklist event. This is like everybody is watching this match, and the guy goes to the bathroom. And I only learned about this from his friend who told me about this. He, actually, the guy whom he faced in the finals uh, later, like way later when the guy stopped. Uh, I, I heard some really yeah. fucked up stories about like like I yeah mental absolutely mental. I mean, like so what's a, what's a, what's the takeaway from the story then? So people are not allowed to go to the bathroom, right? <laughs> that's a takeaway exactly exactly it's yeah. something some, something something Ariel shouldn't have prizes bigger than something something I don't know or like yeah yeah I think you're really not doing much wrong when you just like set it as competitive and, and yeah, yeah that's I, it's perfect for like your FNMs or your Friday uh, Saturday winner boxes or something like mm-hmm. I've seen some winner boxes be run at like too high a level and then you know new players get met with game losses because they just didn't know what they're doing and that's really harsh and we'll just put people off but yeah, yeah. Uh, 5k just the, has to be competitive. It's, I think that's the spirit behind it, right? Um, yeah. when you, you want to be a little more lax so you don't turn away people who might be starting out. Yeah. But people flying across Europe for a tournament are usually not the ones who are like playing the first Legacy event. Absolutely. And they usually Absolutely. don't play Legacy Absolutely. in the first place, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's another story. But yeah, um, also there were, there were some reports, I think I want to add that on, uh, that there were like significant delays uh, at least in the first couple of days uh, exactly so do you um, know why that happened yeah um i don't know exactly why they happened but like for example they uh, they printed out the pairings and apparently something was like terribly wrong and they had to like do it again and it just took a while and well that kind of backfired later because i think it was like 8 p.m or so when the swiss rounds were over and the modern coverage was uh, was also like you know just finished and I was like, dude, I mean, I didn't make top eight at this event. I finished like 22nd or something. I was like, hey, dudes, um, I can do the coverage for the top eight of Legacy. How does that sound? You know, since I've, I, since I already did the coverage on Friday for the old school tournament, I, I felt like, okay, well, I'm, I'd be kind of cool now. And um, the the team was like, they, they kind of said that's a good idea, but they had to like um, make sure to basically clean up the hole until 11 p.m., and they literally don't have any time left. And it's like, man, if you started the tournament like an hour or two earlier, we could have like maybe had like a, sh- you know, like a top eight Twitch coverage or something like that, which is, you know, Oh, is that where the top four split? Because they had no more time Ex- left to ex- play? Exactly, exactly. And they played out the finals in the hotel bar. Oh, that's some old school PTQ wipes. <laughs> yeah, I did want to add that they did play it out. So the standings we see is real, but they split the prizes. I'm glad they played out right. for the glory. I like yeah. that. Yeah, like, I mean, I was sipping beer. Uh, dude, I, I I was already super, super drunk when they played the finals at the, <laughs> nice. at the hotel bar. But yeah, oh, dude, but, I mean, it, obviously that's not ideal. On the other hand, I really, really, you know, I love the, 
the grassroots vibe of that that yeah like, that's what you used to see imagine like ptq finals how big of a deal that was and those were regularly played and, and hotel lobbies and stuff uh, and people would not even like back then record on like shitty shitty uh smartphones or something like it, it just happened and i i don't know i i that uh, that aspect of magic that kind of like super grassroots aspect of magic uh, that, that very much appears to me i don't know why i mean it's not it's not a great solution but i think it's kind of cool i like mm. it as well i think it's cool awesome so with all of that in the books kai you already told us you got second uh no, second second you wish. i got <laughs> second Hell yeah. second place uh playing seven rounds of legacy <laughs> playing your trusty doomsday list or yes. were there any experiments pretty okay. much Tell us about um, it. I think like what one uh, one little advice maybe for um, for anyone out there who wants to go to a big, big event. I usually only sleeve up my seventy five for that for the event. I never take any extra sideboard cards with me or a a anything that could go in the in the deck. I'm pretty much set. People go absolutely crazy when when they see like the trials the day before. And for example, the trial for this event was very very combo focused. A lot of lot of like Bracter Reanimator. Uh, and, and other fast combo decks and on the main event it was rather a fair meta game so um you know like if, if you go to a big event just just stick to your deck and just don't even don't even so worry you don't about get it. tempted to to like right because it it's not going to work out anyway yeah just, <laughs> i think there's, there's all, like, no all, hope just don't right even like try. all it does i mean all it does is that you get less sleep and you're not really focused maybe you're even unsure how to sideboard at the event which is i think just absolutely terrible but yeah, here we go. So I got paired against Buck Hogak. I had a turn one kill, you know, opponent didn't really, I mean, didn't really show anything. While while sideboarding, they even said something along those lines of like, uh, hey, I have, I have nothing to board in against your deck, which is, you know, which really like reminds me of paper tournaments where people like, they just randomly yeah, say, say things say like that. that. And, it's like, <laughs> and it's like, hey, oh yeah, uh, me neither. I mean, I haven't really seen anything. <laughs> We're just gonna play game one again where I turn one to uh, you, sounds good. Right. Yeah, pretty much so, yeah. <laughs> Unless it's like the double bluff and they're just siding like four archives traps or something oh man I mean, I, they gotta do the 15 it, it, and 15 out was, even if they don't bring yeah, in anything i mean it was kind of close because they played a heat drink crap in in, ga in game number two and <laughs> as you know as you know you can uh you can target any player with heat drink crap which is mm -hmm. a disaster for doomsday <laughs> but you killed him on the first turn again i just forced it and you know and then i had like an easy game because they don't play forces <laughs> Classic oh, was, what yeah. a match what a but match i gotta i gotta say though in every i think in all seven rounds people recognized either the podcast or my stream or really like anything it was it was so so pleasant and like That's man cool. it was such a such a cool experience uh in my second round i got paired against golgari depths which also i haven't seen in a while but it is not the typical like um the the turbo ver version it's like kind of like a golgari slow depths with dark confidence usa saga was also there mm-hmm mm-hmm it's interesting, interesting, interesting deck. Yeah. Did you and actually did you actually see depths out of interest? Because I know there is a version which like Ozymandias seventeen, aka um, Matt's played without depths. It's just like a kind of black green mid range, low to the ground with sagas. Oh, uh, I saw Tespin stage, um, and also the I, I was like talking to the guy later, and he showed me the dark depths also. Okay, and, okay, and also yeah. his um, I wanted to um, hi um highlight his absolute secret tech which i think is is an incredible is an incredible call for for this deck is it's the card hall of gemstones and i'm pretty sure not a lot of people know this card i know the card so, uh, let, so let, let me uh, let me take a guess it's an enchantment colorless to green and i think on every upkeep the 
the player whose turn it is has to decide which color all their lands make yep. this turn, right? Pretty much. Pretty much, but it's uh, it's an enchant world, yeah. It's even oh, better. Oh, it's enchant world! Ooh, yeah, it can so be killed cool. by, yeah, uh, like, Raging River or, or what have you. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's, for, it's from our vision. No, it's not visions. Mirage. Beautiful, yeah, beautiful. Mirage. I mean, it's. I think the card is also on the on the restricted lid. Uh, yeah. Reserved list. Yeah, reserved I played that list, in Commander. Yes. When I played like mono green uh, French dual Commander, I had that in my deck. Right. Ah. And okay. And like I was looking at this card, and I, I really didn't get it until he he said something like, um, I think the, the prismatic endings don't don't work any um, anymore, or like cards like Uro or Expressive Iteration don't work anymore. Like a lot of a lot of fair decks these days are double or triple colored. That's and, cool, yeah. And it kind of like, this, this this card like single-handedly just takes them off. Well, like they have to choose whether to cast the Ponder or a Source of Plowshares or shut off to Fairy or all this stuff. Right, right. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, it also affects right? basic lands, right? It basically affects all the lands they have. Yeah. The only way around would be to have something, I guess, like Lotus Petal, Chrome Mox or, or something like that, but nobody really has that. I'm, right. I'm, I was at the beginning. I was like, "Ha, huh, seems cool. It's probably there for something specific." But it, it kind of is because it's like these four color, five color nonsense decks. But actually, yeah, the more you think about it, the the better it sounds. It's pretty cool because I guess this uh, Golgari Depths deck, like, it's either casting a black or a green spell. It's kind of straight ahead. Where you're right. like swamp, yeah. uh, or just like thought sees, dark confident, you're done or whatever. But yeah, right. I really like it. That's cool. And again, like this, this is like one of those moments where you know where you happen to know these secret texts at, at that paper tournament. I, I, I just I just find these like um, calls really interesting because I think he, he had this card for quite some time, maybe even in his commander deck or so. Um, and then just sometimes you're just gonna like go through boxes and you might some uh, you might find something. Yeah, so cool. So I just looked it up. It's currently let's say twelve euros on card market. Uh, I don't know. Is, is it gonna go? Is it? Yeah, it actually is on the reserve list. I just verified. Are we gonna hype Hall of Gemstone to the moon? I don't know. <laughs> I, I kind of wanna try it now because like, now that you've mentioned it, there's probably like, eh, eh it's it's still not great <laughs> against black like Blue Red Diver, right? That that's the thing. Yeah. Uh well, I mean, they, they can't like they can't go Ponder into Lightning Bolt, for example, or like they can't go Expressive Iteration. Yeah, mm. They can never Expressive Iteration with doesn't play, right. but it's still like a three mana enchantment. But it's cool. I think it, it's, it's cool. Over, like it's basically all card. the control decks. Right. Yeah. Um, a Jessica, anything. <laughs> okay, and then yeah, I was still like two and zero, oh, and then man, and then uh, round three was 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 crazy because like I sit down um, and my opponent he he already starts with like hey I haven't played Legacy in, in about ten years or something like that. And I was like well cool okay well be, better be prepared for like Eidolons and and Goblin Guides right, <laughs> and well that didn't happen. But my opponent went like uh, once upon a time for Cavern of Souls. Okay, well, played it and said wizard, and like in my head, I was already like, what, like, what, what on earth, dude? Like, <laughs> I was like a nerd, <laughs> patron wizard in your sights. Like, but <laughs> what the hell is that? Yeah, right. Take my turn. I have a lot of counter magic, but I have a pretty like a, like a slow start. You know, no doomsday yet. Um, like ponder go. Opponent drops uh, a boseju, the, the the new green boseju, and says go again. Okay, and like I'm even more confused. Take my turn. Play like two cantrips, have triple force of will with triple pitch, ready to cast um, Doomsday next turn, say go. And then the opponent draws and plays an Eldrazi temple. <laughs> That's getting and better. And says, so it's, El it's obviously Eldrazi wizards. Well, 
right? Yeah, and then te- yeah, but, but he, he he keeps saying go, right? So he yeah. says go, and it's like, and in my head, I'm I, I'm I'm kind of like just like what, what is this? Because he is two and zero, oh, like it's it's not like you know this is like the first round of the tournament, and end of turn, I do crack a fetch land, and that's where he taps all three lands, and I want you guys to tell me. I know, I know what it is. So you I... both know what it is. <laughs> I think I don't want to give myself too much credit. I think I would have expected it. Uh, just it, it, it feels a little weird, but the I don't even know. I don't know. Gives it, it away. I don't even know it's a wizard. So there we go. I would have walked straight into it. The, the thing is, there's an overlap <laughs> with um, Quasali Pride Match, which is also a wizard, which is oh also God. played in those colors, and what that's kind of why you would usually name stuff. wizard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so is it a wizard cat? And this one is an, is a bird wizard. It's probably a bird wizard, yeah. Pretty, I don't pretty, know. I usually pretty, name. So yeah, pretty um, much so. Kai, tell so. us what. It. Ca- it is the Maven Mind Sensor. Nice. Holy moly! God damn it! I have not seen this card in ages, and especially not in the main deck. And <laughs> I, like, I, 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 I was there. And I, I lit- it literally like like the curtain, you know, just just closed in front of my eyes. You know, just like I had absolute zero outs to this card. I have triple fours, which are absolutely unusable. Um, this game. Went longer than I thought because I somehow managed to resolve a street wraith, and, I, and, and, and things like it's a I natural fo- foil yeah. to even mind like, sensor. I, and I kept forcing all his Eldrazi because like the cavern was on wizard, right? It's like so all his all what his a train wreck of a game, dude. And it was literally like a two-one flyer against a three-four swamp walk for like three or four turns. Oh yeah, man! Until he dropped uh, Eldrazi displacement, and then it was you know get, um, lights out. Tell me so, this wasn't coverage. Dude, no, man. I like, wish. I, I, I wished it was. You know, oh, but uh, it was, it was l- such a, such an incredible match. Um, so, a question, came- a question about this interaction, really quickly, though. Please. Maybe we should, we should actually before. But Kyle, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Maybe we should quickly mention what Avon Mind Sensor does okay. because the card hasn't been really a thing outside so of like my. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask about it. So yeah, Avon Mind Sensor is it's a th- three mana, two and a white for a two one flash fl- and flying, and it is indeed a bird wizard, and. If an opponent would search a library, that player searches the top four cards of that library instead. So, like, the fetch stand can only look at the top four cards of the library. So my question is, do you think it was right for them to do it in response to the fetch? Or maybe if they waited for you to cast Doomsday, you just exile your library and have four random cards from the top of your library. And then you probably die. You probably wait until Doomsday, yeah. right? Because it can't get countered anyway. Yeah. And if, if they cast a Thoughtseize, then you just flash it in. And you can't, right. like, insta-speed the Doomsday, so... I think it'd be cool to hold it, but then I guess they're doing nothing in passing the turn. But yeah. it's pretty cool in response to Doomsday. You pretty much lose unless the Oracle is the top four cards. Or um, I think the consideration that goes in into that is um, we, we've seen a lot of mid-range Doomsday decks, and the opponent might be aware that they completely kind of gave away that they have Mind Sensor. Like no, no disrespect to Kai, <laughs> of course. <Dude. laughs> but they, they, they might already think, oh, this guy will probably play around this, and so I, I better get the value that I can get, um, because I don't have to like risk it, uh, yeah. and like stone raining Kai. Maybe that's that's good yeah. enough. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like if, yeah, if there's if there's like one thing I could have changed in the game is like I could have forced the once upon a time, but like you almost never force a once upon a time, and that and that's maybe that's wrong. I don't know. No, I think like when I cast it in Painter, ninety percent of the time I'll be happy if it gets forced. Yeah, yeah it's usually like that, especially when when they do it um, on the first time before playing the land, which is usually the ones that get forced the most. It's it's kind of a weird dynamic where you feel like you know I might do it, 
Uh, on the other hand, it's like horrible when when you force your opponent's zero mana spell and they still get to play a very normal game. It's literally like a mulligan on your side, uh, plus or, or rather minus one life. So it's the, the the odds don't really work out that way unless like you think the matchup is horrible and you might take the gamble. And in your case, that's probably not something you would really like do in that spot. Right. Yeah. yeah. And in game three was pretty much the same thing again. <laughs> um, ex ex except I was in Mulligan to six, and they also had Charles of the Wood in addition. But I mean, dude, that, you got wrecked. Yeah, dude, <laughs> like it was smashed. It was not. It was not easy. It was not easy. Yeah. Um, green white. Yeah, it was green white Eldrazi. Green a little bit for the um, Osageju, and once upon a time, and white for Displacer and Avian Mind Sensor. Yeah. yeah, I guess white Eldrazi, like the Eldrazi in Texas, has been a thing for quite a while. Uh, I can see why you would play green in there. Um, yeah, it top eighted the last GP. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh, did it? Oh. Yeah, Bologna. Yep. Oh, there you go. Okay. It, was, it was just like not on anyone's radar and then top eighty. So maybe it's a pretty right. underplayed archetype. Yeah. I mean, well, maybe that, that, that's our answer to the question of last episode, which uh, archetypes mm -hmm. are underexplored. This is the kind of thing that's good against um, the removal of the format. Like, I mean, Chalice, yeah, it gets prismatic ending, but if you're like have a fast clock with your Eldrazi, your Eldrazi aren't getting like. Uh, ending it either and if you have a chalice down it stops the swords being a tempo thing you need to pay two mana to exile the chalice and yeah could be oh, that's a good point yeah that's a good point right i think it's just very weak to uro but uro is on quite a downswing at the moment so maybe I'm just celebrating i'm just celebrating the opponent because i even mind this one of my <laughs> favorite cuts ever i streamed yeah. um, maverick as a donation deck list this um uh, this week and i used to have like two even mind sensors on the list for the stream i changed it down to one and, and that card is just incredible. That's absolutely incredible. It's also like it creates these hype moments for stream where it comes down, which is already like blowout, but then, then your opponent still gets to search that top four. So maybe, you know, I, I vote for, for Avid Mind Sensor as one of the most entertaining cards that any streamer could ever put in the stack. Dude, I mean, like green white players want like one thing and it's freaking disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> and you kept playing against green white players, right? So next yes, round I did. Up. Yeah, the next round was uh, green white Depths. Um, he was also um, a huge fan of the, the podcast. I mean, I hope I don't butcher his name. It's um, Joel Grenehit, I think. Oh, um, he, he's a supporter? Yeah, he's in the Discord. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's one of the questions. Super, later. super cool guy. He was even wearing the Everyday Eternal t-shirt, dude. Hell yeah. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <awesome. laughs> oh, amazing. Super, super yeah, I remember, nice. I remember sending him that. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. was in Depths, too. So he was my second Depths opponent on Green-White. I want to say pretty, pretty classic, like, you know. Um, he played Naya, by the way, because he had, he had Minsk and Boo in his deck. He posted a picture. Oh. Yeah. That's so yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I saw a couple of blasts. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. I, I, <laughs> I, I think like I think that was a great, great deck choice. I think Green White Depths is still an amazing deck, and blasts are just worth splashing at the moment. And Minsk and Boots pretty damn good as well. So, oh, yeah, if, love, if love anybody, that. if we ever get big enough, somebody do like um, a parody of Everyday Channel, they will probably like throw in the random. Oh, by the way, we think Green White Depths is actually a really good. It's deck. It's like every episode. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've been, we've been saying this since uh, Eternal Week in 2020. So like yeah. coming coming up on the two-year anniversary of that. <laughs> yeah, someone, <laughs> so please cool. don't go back and listen to everyone and count it up. It's going to sound really silly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we're going to do that for episode 200. Yeah. Uh, awesome. So, Kai, you, I see you You took the match 2-0. Yeah. Uh, and then follow up by um, a 2-1 against Tess, the Epic Storm. That was against a local from Berlin, a, a different playgroup. Vincent was his name. We played a crazy, crazy um, best of three. Was it Was it a really all-foil pimped out deck? It was It was pretty much pimped out. Yeah, yeah I, th I think I know and, him. And, and so on. He lived in London oh. for a bit as well. Cool guy. Okay. Oh, sick. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he's, yeah. he's European Brian. 
<laughs> kind of. He, he knows Brian as well. He, uh, we did our one pre-Innistrad event, and he won it with Tez. Oh, that doesn't cool. sound like Brian. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Hashtag sheet. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, nice to see him. Um, no, it was, 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 a, was, a, was a cool match. Um, but again, like that, um, it was an awkward game three because like the, like the story I mentioned earlier with, uh, with Martin and his pandas, my, uh, my opponent, Vincent, he forgot... He, um, he, he spinned um, the Echo of Aeons, we drew a fresh seven, but he, vo he forgot to shuffle his, uh, his graveyard into the library. And then we already drew seven, and he cast two brainstorms after that. And then he realized, oh, actually, I still have a, have a graveyard. You know, Judge came over, he's like, yeah, well, you know, just, just put them on the bottom of your library. And, like, I, 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 I understand why he, why he said that, but, like, we were, like, sitting at four and one, I think, each. And, you know, it's like, it's kind of like a big deal i think mm. yeah the thing but, is uh, like at that point you, you probably like you can't fix it right you can't go back so it, it should probably be a warning to both of you guys because both of you guys missed that that's like i i think back in the yeah. days it would be called like failure to maintain game set or whatever i think it's been revised many times over but right. i think even under under different rules enforcement level um especially since this is like both you guys fought um it's that's not too much. They, they would certainly not give a game loss, so that's not too much really to do. Yeah, I mean, this is just like another episode that happened. Um, and yeah. I, but it's also um, I could clearly tell that most players were not like they were not used to play paper paper magic. Like like you know like they said like you know they dropped so many cards on the floor, uh, <laughs> were pretty poor at shuffling. I think they they did a better job um, before. But, uh, <laughs> I often think when I see that I'm like, don't you just goldfish constantly at home? But I guess not. 10 years ago that was me like i was sitting in front of my computer i was shuffling my land stack back then which is kind of crazy right when you thought think about how, how expensive a land stack is these days but i would just sit there draw a seven play out the first two turns mm -hmm. uh shuffle back do it again and honestly I, I think i talked about this like right around 2008 i think i had an actual addiction to shuffling like hmm. that, that i'm not even joking like i i would sometimes travel somewhere where i was guaranteed to not play magic i would still bring a deck just so I could like randomly shuffle it while I was not doing anything. I think there was maybe addiction is the wrong word, neurosis or whatever. Neurosis is probably like the better word. Um, and I, I had to make a conscious effort to not bring decks when when I knew I was not going to play them. So I would just like not constantly shuffle them. Imagine sitting next to you on a plane, just like, oh my god, will he stop? Yeah, like Oh, I, I probably oh, shouldn't man. even talk about it. I feel like the the urge coming back. No, <laughs> I've been no, cured. dude. I, I totally, I totally get that. Like sometimes, like you know, you, you um you meet up with a new business partner, and then the first thing you do is like you know just getting the business cards and kind of like start hand shuffling. I, I, I totally, I totally get that. Mm -hmm. is, uh, does it work that way in Japan? That um, uh, dude, when somebody I mean, gives you a business card, you have to treat it like solid gold, like it's yeah, the biggest like, thing in the world. Right, like hand shuffling someone's business card isn't actually like the actual worst thing you can do in Japan. I think. <laughs> <laughs> cool, and you put it in your pocket. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you, you have to accept it with like both hands, and then like actually exactly. look at it. Oh yep. my god. Um, also, also definitely say thank you, arigato gozaimasu. You know, just like. Oh, a little bit and you, you know, know i would sometimes like ride on the business card <laughs> that, that, that's definitely nothing really I, oh man yeah. dude you like I, th I think you're like lifetime banned from japan holy moly oh I man man uh I, I remember when when i was at the trade fair and i met um a chinese one of our well we don't have chinese partners but they were like introducing themselves as potential chinese partners and they they took a picture of me and they printed it out they had one of those polaroids and they stapled it to my business card so they knew who I was. That was, 
I, I didn't mind it. It just felt a little bit weird when all of a sudden they just like Polaroided a picture of myself and, and they were like, oh, cool. And then they stapled it to my business card. I was like, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't work in Japan, I guess. Uh, we, can, we can work on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, cool. But yeah, and then the last two rounds was uh, was a uh, was my second loss. Unfortunately, it was a uh, one and two to a blue red delver deck with counterbalance post sideboard, uh, which was another big uh, well headache. Um, like some like another thing I had to like the matchup is already super super bad, and on top of that, if they go counterbalance, then you know it's technically like in the twenty percent range of uh, win match uh, win percentage against delver. Okay, um, maybe thirty, <laughs> but definitely not above that. I've seen and a couple of lists, but they usually only had like one counterbalance on the sideboard. I think Marcus Ewald uh, also talked about that, that he faced some kind of Delva counterbalance list. Uh, yeah, I feel yeah, for you guys. You only need one if you draw it. It's right. Just... <laughs> <laughs> also, um, also shoutouts to uh, to Marcus. I met him for the first time. Um, man, dude, he, he's such a such a cool dude. Oh, just you have some serious reconnecting with the European legacy. I know, today. I know, yeah. I've met a lot of people for the first time. Um, also, like, I, like all the MTGO grinders, like you know, who have um, who ended up being in the top eight, most of them I met for the first time, and like, dude, the man, like, why are Europeans so tall? I, I just <laughs> <laughs> people say nutrition. I don't know how yeah. that works. Like you would think, like other countries also. Like I think the Dutch are supposed to be the tallest in Europe. I don't know how that works, but they are pretty big. I guess oh, you have to be. stay above the waterline, right? Because the entire country is underwater, technically. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, is that true? Okay, cool. <laughs> no, that's not real. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you were out of top eight contention with right. the second boss, right? Yep, uh, picked up. Um, but the, you brought the shame to the podcast. Yeah, well, I, I was a little, I was a little down, but but also like not really because um, I had such, so much fun, you know, just between the rounds. It was, it was so cool. Um, the last round was two uh, 0 against Black Red Reanimator. Didn't need a single graveyard head. It was pretty. I think it was like the, also like the quickest game. I think like the match was over after like five minutes because we only pl had a total of three turns or four turns total <laughs> combined. Oh, dude, just, I know just that feeling so well. Things. Yeah, yeah, I know that feeling so well, right? You you ride out of top eight contention. You thought you know I'm so close to top eight, and then you didn't make it. And you sit down for the last round. Both of you sit there. You're like, okay, well, let's play it out, and then it's over in like um, in, in a minute. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, well, so and so five and two um, was not. Not even close for top 16, but a 22nd place. Um, there were like a bunch of five and twos, I think, at the event. And again, it was a 125 uh, player tournament, uh, which I think was like a big deal. I had a lot of fun um, and um, I was watching like the top eight later. And I think we're going to talk about the top eight in a Should second. Should we actually anyway. play an eight, eighth round if there's 125 players? I think. Oh, no, 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 no. Wait. Well, okay. I think it's 128, right? And, yeah, and also, exactly. there's, there's exactly. sometimes like weird yeah. cutoffs. The higher you get, it's not like um, sure powers of two. Right. It was, yeah, like, yeah. it was like barely, barely seven Oh, rounds. that also explains why five and two wasn't good enough for top 16 then, even though you only got your first loss in, in the third round. Yeah, okay. Makes, it all makes sense. Right. So did you did you get any... Oh, no, you didn't get any prizes, right? Those were I top did, 16? Actually, I did get prizes um, because the tier one con already promised a, a prize pool. And I think... Um, they planned something around 300 people for the legacy tournament, and they would like double the um, the prices if if there was like attendance of like a 500, I think, I believe. Uh, but it ended up being just 125, you know, which is like way below the expectations. Uh, so even for me, as on on 22nd uh, place, I I still got my entry fee back, which was damn. Oh, that's pretty, that's very which fair. Is pr pretty nuts, yeah. <laughs> I, I really hope that they didn't like lose too much and and they go ahead with it next year. 
maybe the lesson here is, you know, you, you need to have your first event be scaling prizes from lower levels or something. Same, know. same. I think at this point, like um, most people don't really care about the prices. They, they just want to play a lot of magic, you know, they just, they just want to like, we want tier one con to, to, to succeed. Uh, yeah, that's have... the best way to put it really, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, top eight then. So you said you watched it. This is kind of what I miss. Even if you don't make top eight, I love just like watching them play at the end and stuff. I, I'm always there, whatever games I play, like even in Warhammer, like I like to stay around to the end and watch the finals and stuff and try and learn from the people and see what's going on. So um, do one of you want to give us a run through? Yeah, so uh, in first place, we have Daniel Peretz on lands. Uh, should, should we look into that? I, I've got yeah. it open up here. Looks to be... Uh, it's not normal. This is not a normal not list. Normal. No. no. He has four main decks, Fear of Resistance. And exactly. two Ancient Tomb. That's not normal at all. And so I used to love this. When I played more lands, just having... I didn't play the Sphere's main, but having the sideboard and then one Ancient Tomb, you'd often like crop rotation for it. So you have the four crop rotation and four Mox Diamond to be able to play your turn one Spheres. He's like doubling down on this and playing it main deck. And I kind of love it. I've, I'm a sucker for Sphere of Resistance. Yeah. Like yeah, I I I saw Daniel Perez and during the Swiss and dude, he crushed Storm. Holy moly, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> man! I've never seen Storm being like this. Like it looked so weak and uh, against this deck, it was. And I like I'm not a lance expert, but uh, there is there are no um, punishing fires in this list, for example. And oh, that's um, so I think refreshing. yeah, and like the I think um someone mentioned uh, that punishing fire just is is too slow for legacy right now because like so many must uh, must kill threats are. Uh, cost less than two mana, so you're always like trading down on mana. Sometimes you can't even keep up with the with the creatures. Like for example, against elves, you just play so so many things at once that you can't yeah. like you can't just keep doing the um the thing, you know. And instead, yeah, you can't I can't keep elves. casting dark banishing every time. That's what I've been calling it. Um, because <laughs> except for the first one, it's always like a three mana spell, basically. And dark oh, yeah. banishing, even if you get to record, it's just like not legacy playable. I mean, it's not even that against, against like Delve with DRC being a 3 3, it's like five mana, and then don't even start on Merktide, obviously. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's five mana or even six mana if you want to do it like all in a single turn. It's, like, it's I, could, crazy. I could see it coming back into the format. It is, it's totally a, a kind of a mess game call where the lands includes it now. So, like, if um, some bans or changes happen, obviously, then if you have, you have like Delver and Young Pyromancer, then you know it gets better again but at the moment it just it is a bit too slow and doesn't hit the right things it's actually very green right when i look at this uh the only other dual lens is like one tiger and one tropical island both for holy moly look at that sideboard it's like blast galore i got one blue elemental blast i got one hydroblast one pyroblast two red like we're playing yeah. all the red uh blasts because it's actually rug deck isn't it it is yeah but it's heavily leaning on green what i see here like three endurances yeah. two chokes four phosphorica uh, of course, the one Crown Foundry to to screw Doomsday every once mm -hmm. in a while. Mm -hmm. uh, this is this is one of the land decks I actually love the most. Like w what I see here appears m to me much more than any of the other land decks I ever yeah, seen. Yeah, it seems great. Do it's think... also Crucible. Yes, yeah, just a lot of cool stuff. Going Do you on. think the Blue Blast and the Hydro Blast probably for Meltdown? Because with the addition of um, Sphere of Resistance and obviously leaning on, I guess they have uh, as a service yeah, four. It's just uh, like. Lands is almost like a kind of an artifact deck secretly now. It's it makes so many things. Uh -huh. You got like mox diamonds everywhere, and yeah, you got your construct tokens and stuff, and then you got pivot needle randomly here and there. And as I said, now with the spheres, so I reckon they're just for meltdowns. Yeah, might be. I, I think uh, especially in paper, right? They are yeah. played a little bit more because of like random stuff that you can see. I mean, in online you can also play it because it's decent against Starbucks. 
I I love seeing especially Hydroblast because it's such cool artwork. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The sideboard is pretty dedicated, right? I got a bunch of like of these counter spells, and then I got the heavy hitting ones like Choke, Endurance, Force of Riga, and of course the one of Tron Foundry. This deck, I want to say, is beautifully constructed. Yep, I love it. This gets the Julian's flavor mark of approval. The one of <laughs> Tower of Magistrate. Uh, I'm not sure what we're doing with that. I mean, what we know, I know what it does. Uh, what exactly are we looking to do with this? And I, I guess just like it's another way to to meddle with, let's say, Kaldra Complete. I guess you could also use Maze of Ith for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It might be oh, just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. taking through Psy as well, like like the Depths deck. It's I think it's like it's not going to be an integral part of the plan. Like Depths has to attack through Thopter tokens. I think this is just another utility land that you probably realized I have enough colored sources I can afford to run this. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. And and like you brought up, right, the the, the side just like get in there, so you right. Mm-hmm. I mean, here, you don't I have mean, to like randomly yeah. bleed them out with tabernacle or something. I mean, there's also no removal, as um as I said, right? Like there's no punching fire, so like you know the tower might just be an, like, an, an, an unnecessary evil. Yeah, maybe mm-hmm. sometimes to just buy time. Yeah, I can see it. Awesome. So moving on, second place, a uh, good friend of mine, Jan Langer. I have so many great memories of attending events with Jan. Uh, Jan is playing Elves in this tournament. From what I understand, he doesn't really get to play a lot of Legacy these days. So before big events, he just like grabs a, a list from the internet and, and runs in these big events. He's a and monster with Elves. He has like two European Eternal Weekend Top 8s as well with Elves. Back to back, yeah. He back got in, I think, 2016. And then uh, actually, Callum, when you and I made Top 8 uh, mm-hmm. at Eternal Weekend in 2016, 17. Uh, yeah. I, w- I was traveling with them. When there was both three elves there, elves. I remember. Yeah, yeah, that was amazing. Dude, yeah. that, that was one of the craziest trips to me when I look back. We were four guys. Took Tron under Thiessen, by the way, who was head-shutting um, the event. It's a small word. Who <laughs> 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 was head-shutting the Tier 1 con event this time. And Jan and me. And we were four guys and three of us got top eight in Eternal Weekend. And Pretty Duke good. got, I think, 17th place or something. Uh, and I think it was a top... It was a cut to top 16. It, it yeah. was man. actually no That's no no. It. I think Andrea Mangucci was like top uh, anyway. But this this yeah, so many good memories of okay. playing events with Jan. I also yeah. when I won MKM Hamburg 2018, I was randomly crashing at his place. I almost didn't want to go, and then I caught the night train, and I was like literally sleeping just like four hours at his place, and then we went to the event together the next morning. Uh, yeah, awesome guy. Yeah. There, there there is a story about um like one of the rounds. It was like I think like the the the. Like most ridiculous game maybe like in the entire tournament. Um, he played against Omnitel or like like a show and tell. I think it was like blue white Omnitel. Opponent resolved show and tell and lost. <laughs> and that was such dude. It was incredible. So uh, so can I guess? Yeah, just just make a guess. Okay. Uh, uh that, that that's many ways. Like one is you put in Allosaurus Shepherd and then you like force a figure the omniscience or something. Uh, there's also like something like Busichu to to take it out, but but hit us. What actually happened? Okay, so our opponent puts in Ember called the Eon's Thorn. Jan puts in Progenitus, <laughs> and then follows up and takes his turn and casts Natural Order for Crater Who Behemoth. Holy moly, <laughs> <laughs> dude! Ember cool had the chump block. <laughs> I love I making Emrakul look silly is one of the most Dude, fun things. I've never seen something like that. It was like uh, a more than thirty power um, pr- protection from everything creature. <laughs> <laughs> so just tangent a second. At the last Eternal Weekend I played a few years ago, I was playing Bug Hogak and my opponent played a turn two show and tell. And I put in a um carrion feeder and made the Emrakul Emrakul jump block. 
Yeah, Emrak will. Oh, wow. <laughs> Honestly, Emrak will just like a big wall. Yeah. A big overpriced wall. It's pretty bad. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Congrats, yeah. to, congrats to Jan. Um, Julian, you're the expert, but like a mandate progenitus is not usual, right? Uh, Newton has done that um, for quite a while on yeah. Magic Online. Okay. Uh, I think I, I would guess, looking at the list, except for the Vivian, uh, Jan probably like um, downloaded it and, and played it. Uh, we also had a little bit of a talk about the, especially the removal suit in the sideboard, because that's mm -hmm. the number one thing Elves players these days basically are still discussing, like whether you mm -hmm. want to go for. It's I like, mean, you guys have probably seen Snuff Out or yeah. whatever. There's, there's like many different ways you could go. I know Shriekmaw's talked about at the moment. Yeah, Shriekmaw is kind of cool because you can get uh, Shriekmaw of Once Upon a Time. Oh, that's, you know, that's so cool. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's so cool. Yeah, on the other hand, it's not instant speed. You know, it, we could probably have an entire episode where we just discuss the removal options in the sideboard for elves <laughs> because right now there's so many different things. There's murderous cut that people sometimes talk about. Uh, of course, that's like rather hard to hardcast and stuff. Um, there's, there's runoff hall, which shows up. Actually, in this list, it shows up as a one-off. Of course, there's also the, the two mana options that we still have around, like Abrupt Decay, not so much uh, ever since Merc type became a thing. But Assassin's Trophy is still like technically some, something you could play and might come back. Yeah, it's an entire episode on itself. Also, mm -hmm. there's a one-off Vivian Monsters Advocate in the sideboard. Yeah, and what was, does this do? Uh, we, we don't know, because Jan, after the event, he told me he literally never drew it a single time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a five-mana Planeswalker, three colorless and two green, legendary Planeswalker Vivian. It comes into play with three loyalty. You may look at the top card of your library anytime. You may cast creature spells from the top of your library. So it's like, yeah, it, it's good. Plus one, create a green 3-3 three, three beast creature token. Put your choice of Vigilance, Reach, or Trample on it. And for minus two, when you cast your next creature spell this turn, search your library for a creature card with lesser mana value, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle. <sighs> yeah, it's five mana. That's. I mean, it's a, it's a future side, right? Uh, it's kind of like a future side for creatures. Yeah, yeah, that's... I mean, for <laughs> I think the problem with the card is, uh, first of all, it competes with uh, Nyssa, Vital Force, which I think is just straight up better because Nyssa comes into play and ultimates the next turn and, and like, blows exactly that kind completely out of the water that you want to um, target with a final mana planeswalker, which is control decks. Uh, and this one is not as good. So, yeah, it doesn't yeah. seem great to me. I... You can minus two and then cast Progenitus, and then you go and get a Kratov. <laughs> <laughs> and then you attack with your Kratov for seven. No, you've, <laughs> right. obviously, you've obviously got some idiots in play. You've got like, you've got some insect tokens from your Grist, and you've got like a random Wildwood symbiote. Yeah. Okay, okay, cool. You've got you've got two insects because you Grist plus and you hit like a Wildwood symbiote as well. There you go. Of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure about Vivian. Uh, he's probably happy he didn't draw it. Is my guess. Yeah, that's that's the best way to put right. it. But awesome, yeah, really great yeah. to see Elves doing well, of course. Mm -hmm. Right. And oh, then in you know what? Before we go on, um, there is another story against the same um, show and tell um, opponent. I, ju I just uh, oh, poor show and tell. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> just it was. I think it was like I, it must have been like one of the postboard games. But uh, uh, again, opponent resolved show and tell and lost the game. It happens. And, a lot. But yeah, but this time around, like he put in Gristlebrand. I mean, it's and, the hardest card in the deck for a reason. <laughs> Right? And, and Jan put it in uh, the Allosaur Shepherd and then cast Runnerfall. Nice. Oh, yeah, that's coming. That's coming. It, it, it oh, can't, be, and so it can't be counted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, um, as I'm biting down one of my peanuts, I shouldn't actually be eating while we record. <laughs> <laughs> you know, ever since Allosaur Shepherd got printed, that matchup changed quite a bit because anything Chantel is still like rather bad for us. 
but it used to be literally our worst matchup in the entire world, which right now might rather be lands, I would guess. But Alosau Shepard changed it so much because now they can draw all the cards in the world. They won't force off any of your stuff now, except for, like I guess, discard spells or something. And that that's amazing. That's also why I still don't hate Assassin's Trophy, because Assassin's Trophy also works very well in the matchup all of a sudden. And yeah, I, I think Alosau Shepard is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but poor show and tell guy. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, third, third place, we got uh, Eternal Weekend 2021 winner Jörg Heinrich, also known as Errantly Landless on Magic Online. Hell yeah. And he's sporting pretty much the same list uh, like Jan, uh, except for, I guess, the sideboard. There might be some minor differences, but I'm not really seeing any, any of them in the main deck. I think he, he's got the Collector over in the main deck. I was about to say, he has that evil little oof. Yeah, and, and he doesn't have the, the endurance. Yeah, I guess that's the mm -hmm. one thing. And yeah. then the sideboard is somewhat different. Uh, he's actually running the murderous cuts I'm I'm talking about. Uh, the rest is pretty straightforward. Yeah, this, this, you know, what's so cool about these, these um, people call them reclaimer elves. Uh, I guess we can call them. For me, it's more like mid-range elves. Is that they, they play a lot more magic. Uh, they, 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 they almost, I don't want to call their interactiveness um, on the, to be on the level on like let's say death in texas which is to me like the gold standard of playing magic uh doomsday players please uh, <laughs> don't listen <laughs> <That's> <laughs> good, away for a moment you're good but you're good. You, you you play so much more mid-range magic and that's amazing and doing those guys uh, seeing those guys do well i guess speaks to how much game you actually have when you play the stack yeah it feels like you do you you kill with like um Crater for Progenitus in the end, most games, but oh, actually Shepard as well. Like, that's the cool thing. Like, because you have these different angles, you can just win turn three fairly often with natural order, but you definitely grind through things. Like, I think when I tried the, the list, it was like turn one um, Reclaimer, and then turn two, you kind of just leave it up to get a Bog or like interaction if you need it. Otherwise, you go and get a Guy's Cradle, and then it definitely like finds the Guy's Cradle better. And yeah, you go from there and just abuse that. And you know, especially against Stever, you, you find yourself in uh, grinding situations quite often where you don't get to crowd off, you don't get to pretenders, but you literally, you keep turning your 3-4 sideways because they usually need to 2-for-1 themselves to even get rid of it in the first place. And I mean, a 3-4 attacking every turn, that's basically Delver. And yeah, that's that's just like, you you trade off the explosiveness, you trade off some wins in, match, in, in like the bad matchups, but you... I think right, at least right now, it does make up for it in in the mid range, and and that's kind of cool. Also, like the play experience is on another level. Even though I guess like coming off with like your your nettle sentinels in turn two, that's also amazing. Like I I remember when I did that in paper. Sometimes people would even play like the the uh, William Tell ballad and everything. So it's like <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it it is fun. I I find it like a bit more fun, but like doing the combo elf stuff. But I think Reclaimer has the the results to back it up recently. Yeah, certainly. Good. Then we got fourth place, Dennis Kampelmann, uh, playing blue, red, Dalva. Yeah, this is not Dalva, this is actually straight up Dalva. Is there anything mm -hmm. special? There, two there pa oh, two Parablasts main deck. In and there is a counterbalance in the main deck already. Yeah, this is this Evil. is interesting. Evil Delva. So is that how we call it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Now with the counterbalance main, maybe. Dennis is another Magic Online crusher. Uh, he's oddball online, so many people have probably played against him there. I would guess. <laughs> yeah. He's not like playing against bots all alone and making online every <laughs> yeah, single yeah, round. Yeah. Just played against me all the time and crushing me yeah. probably. I, I was just, just like feeling, oh, Pyroblast and Paper. Like everybody does on Magic Online, right? It's, it's almost like standard. Like these days, the crazy people play three Pyroblast. Yeah, I mean, it, there's only right. 
three or like two and a half blue decks in the top eight. One of them being a Luron, which is it is blue, obviously, and Blasts are good there. But yeah, I mean they they carried him, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it's obviously that awkward moment when you talk about a Diver deck and you're like, yeah, there's really not all that much to say about that. Three it's, days. It's never... Well, three, there's three days. <laughs> oh look, it's the one of Chain Lightning. <laughs> yeah. What, the, what do you think of three days though? Uh, I guess that's the the slot for the the counterbalance. Um, uh, yeah, I suppose so. Right, I, th I think like the, like this version can pro maybe like like you know uh, just go well into like a mid rangey territory, like you know way better than like other devil decks maybe. Yeah, especially post board with the counterbalances, right? Right, yeah, there's like another counterbalance counter in the board. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I like the unlicensed house a lot. I think I mentioned it last week, but um, I think that could be a, a mirror breaker if he needs more mirror breakers. Like you keep them off their Merc tides, and then it just smacks in the face really hard. Cool. So with that, um, we mentioned top four split, but still played it, played it out for the glory. Now we come to fifth through eighth place. So the losers of the of the quarterfinals. Uh, we got Sebastian Basso on Aluren. Aluren can be like so many different things oh, yeah. these days. I guess is this is this bug? I'm seeing a lot of bug cards. It is. Yeah, I have such a soft spot for these like Aluren and Food Chain. These creature combo decks. They're kind of paper fan favorites as well. Aluren's not too bad to play on Magic Online, but Food Chain is horrific. And they're both, they've always been skirting like kind of B tier, sometimes mid, sometimes upper. And they are pretty good. Like these bug shells, like you play so much interaction for Delver and stuff. I mean, so pe yeah, people love them. People yeah. always love them. Like just like kind of like mid rangey piles are always like on very high on the. Uh, like on popularity i think like among all players like doesn't even matter if it's like legacy baron or like any other format i think like yeah you know you, you doodle a bit you have a, cu a couple of like, two for ones you have a bit of counter magic you have a stable banner base uh, pretty I, I, much I, yeah that's like you that's have like, to fix like half the games right. i guess <laughs> like like you do play a lot of like actual magic the gathering you know what i mean like like creatures and counters and mm -hmm. isn't that like the, yeah, the basics you get, you get your your money's worth at an event you probably go two one or one two every round and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right yeah, but you're right um Aluren, like especially Aluren, there's nobody who like randomly picks up Aluren before the event usually you are your community's Aluren guy right mm, yeah and, and that's how what you've been playing for maybe since the card was released and that uh, i mean actually let me click sebastian's name let's see Oh, only one. okay. So <laughs> it only lists one finish, but I, I bet he's been playing the deck forever. I, I would yeah. be surprised if, if that was just like a like a random thing he, he, he thought of before the tournament. Was like, you know what? Alurin's actually the choice. Yeah. It's busted. Ukima <laughs> 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 stalking shadow is going to take this event by force. Cool. Yeah. In, and moving on, next place we have Albert Lindblom, also known as Ally on Magic Online, playing. You guessed it, Lance. He used to be a guest. Uh, he was a guest on our podcast, I think, last year or was it actually earlier this year, where we talked a lot about his like training and exercise regime. And here he's got it, putting it to great use. Uh, Callum, I think you you call him the scariest Lance player on Magic Online. Is that accurate? I think he's the scariest Lance player in the world. He just always has my number recently when we play, and he just Ooh. he's just played the decks. He so just made much Jarvis cry. So, well, Jarvis. Is I always beat it's Jarvis. It's retired from competitive magic. <laughs> is that what you were going to say? <laughs> no. I, I always beat Jarvis, so no. <laughs> I love Ooh, him. But sheesh. I've, I've got his number. Like, Ali's got my number. Yeah. The, the guy who, like, back to, like, won a legacy GP and, like, top eight at the very next one. It's like, oh, I always beat him. He's like, <laughs> I got his number. Easy game. <laughs> it's, I, I, I like poking fun. Awesome. Um, but yeah, Ali, he's 
So he's he's fascinating because he used to be like a combo player. He used to play the Epic Storm and stuff. And then he would be like really deep into that. This was years ago, he said. And then he picked up lands a bunch of years ago. And he's just been like hyper dedicated to it. Like he just basically doesn't play anything else. So he's probably messed around with a couple other things online. But he has these like routines as well where he really, really tests and trains and stuff. And um, yeah, totally. yeah, he yeah. just works so hard for it. And... He's one of the players where if you're if you're an aspiring lands player or you play lands um, and you look at his list, every single card there has been like earning its spot meticulously worked out. He'll have cyber maps for everything. He'll know every matchup inside out. He'll just like he'll play against anything and he'll be like, yep, this is my plan here. So I'm sideboarding this out and this in and this is what I'm doing. Yeah, he, he has like files on every single card. Like if, if yeah. you're the mother of like wine swap teeth and you come in and he will tell you exactly <laughs> what wine swap teeth has done over the last six months or something. <laughs> yeah. Why it's better than wooded foothills. <laughs> <laughs> so but don't, don't tell the, the parents of wooded foothills. They will no, cry. of course not. But They're not very stable. <laughs> but yeah, nothing but respect for him and a great finish. Yeah. I was actually watching the uh, the quarter uh, the semi the semi final uh, match between uh, Albert and Daniel Perez. It was a Lance Mirror, oh, and shit. I, I gotta I gotta say I've never felt this stupid in my life because I literally didn't know what was going on. It was like they they played at a very uh, fast pace. I want to say, but uh, there are yeah like it's it's pretty much like chess really because like there's not a lot of card advantage going on in, in except i guess like civil library maybe yeah but it's but it's like the game is all about timing i think yeah. like when to activate um it's stages a crazy and things like that yeah when to crop rotation like you you know like your opponent's not going to counter it but it's really, it's really yeah. just the when do you do that there's and weird stuff like you just can't play your dot depths out unless you have the combo ready to go because they could just like crop for a thespian station copy it and kill you and stuff like that yeah. there's loads of sub games as well the real the yeah, it's a crazy mirror um exploration i think is the most important card but i can probably see endurance reclaimer now also being like that high up as well i could but, even see like that matchup going to like time in the first game or something with things yeah really oh it, it took forever it took forever and yeah. i mean but you have infinite time in the, in the top eight so uh Oh, that's what? why the event ran so late. <laughs> right. I mean, like, the judges were not amused. <laughs> I remember, like, like Anders in our chat was constantly talking about how he's, like, so, like, afraid that Marcus Ewald might cause the entire event <laughs> to be delayed to the next day because Marcus was there to play high tide. And, yeah, in the end, apparently, it was Eli and Daniel Paris. <laughs> a, week, a week later, Marcus is still resolving his high tide. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, high tide is at 17. My lands tap for 18. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool, cool. So moving on, we we got oh that I don't know if you guys know him Daniel Herens uh, playing painter. Uh, I think Callum, you want to talk a lot about the deck. I want to talk about the player. Sure. Um, the player I don't know. I just know that he's a friend of Jan. Do you yeah, know him? I think he's he's from northern Germany. I'm not sure exactly, yeah. um, but I, he, I, I in... he was my roommate. <laughs> oh, he was uh, your roommate. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so we are. Mean, yeah, yeah. So uh, so coolest um, guy in the house. Yeah. He was the coolest guy in the room, at least. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> no. Uh, he because he lives in the same city i think in hamburg which is like pretty much in the north and we drove together to uh to malmo and um dude he like he was crushing it like the whole weekend i think even even on the trial day he went like five and one with the same deck list now he made top eight with his own brew um daniel doesn't use a lot of social media and also doesn't really look up a lot of deck lists online he just kind of just comes up with things you know oh, and this so, is so old school this is how magic hero. used I to work it. like in the pre-internet yeah. days i love it so much like if you look at the deck list it is wild it, it is, is absolutely really wild. wild yeah and uh, before we go into the deck list i remember that guy because he he apparently has been dedicated to 
um, painter for a long, long time. Uh, I played against him in 2013 at Bazaar of Mox in Paris in one of the earlier rounds, I think. And he already was playing painter back then. So when I saw him here in the top eight, I was like, oh, dude, I bet for the last nine nine years he's been playing nothing but but painter. Oh, no, he, he, had, he had a bunch of different decks. Oh, I guess, uh, he oh no, you're, you're destroying the, the story. I know, oh, sorry. Cast, you know? <laughs> no, no, he, he, he literally only played painter. <laughs> cut it out, cut it out. Yeah. He's, he's been His parents in sent the... him to like a lonely island and there was nothing but a like canvas and a little bit of paint. He's been in the deep German forest <laughs> meditating over this deck list for the past oh, 10 yeah. years and now he's yeah. come back with a vengeance. The right. deep German forest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, right, the deck list is crazy because so Painter has some fairly established like, you know, not lists, but like archetypes you have red and then you have um, white and blue and then you have shortcake and you have these different things. Some more combo focused, some not. This is like full color. So the mana base is four ancient tomb, two city of brass, four glimmer void, two spire of industry, and four urza saga. So that mana base with four glimmer void, two city of brass, and two spire of industry already tells you the shit that's about to come. It's it's just like saying yeah, rainbow lands. And so you have creatures: are four emery, four goblin engineer, four goblin welder, four painter servant, and a twin shot sniper. For those that don't know, twin shot sniper, it's the new one which uh, has channel, so it does two damage to any target. And then it's a 2-3 reach with ETBs that does 2 damage to any target. So you can like weld it in and out and stuff, which is pretty nice, and recast it with Emery and search for it with Engineer. I've tried like Emery alongside the Goblins together, and they, they play quite differently, even though the effects look the same. But I always feel like it was a bit like there's too many... Uh, it was a bit redundant on that effect, and you're a bit weak to Graveyard Hate. But he just has a lot of payoffs for them basically so the other spells are one bullets of citadel which i just love and it's so good in this list especially because <laughs> you go turn one welder or whatever and then if you have a welder active and then you search for it with engineer you just like flip it in and it's often just like a big grindy value piece but it's really good because of what's about to come so you have four grindstone four lion's eye diamond four lotus pedal four mosh's bauble four mox opal one nail spellborn one portable hole one retrofitted foundry and three wish clod talisman so that's tons of zeros. So the Bell Citadel is crazy. So you have like 16 lands, which is six less than usual. And then you should have like a ton of fast mana. So if you get the Citadel in play with like, you know, you weld it in, you're, there's a good chance you just win the spot because you have like a shuffle effect from the Wishclaw Talisman as well. And the lines are diamonds, Lowe's Pedal, Mox Opal is just getting you mana. It's pretty nice with the welder as well. If you just draw the Citadel, you could like, you know, discard it with the Lion's Eye Diamond, or with Emery you could like sack the Lion's Eye Diamond for three black and then cast the Citadel with her. So you've got that going. Then it has just like the four Painter, four Grindstone, and then four Saga to get Grindstones, and a ton of fast mana. So I think this deck is killing turn two pretty often. Yeah, I, 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 like how, I like how Callum is so excited about this deck. I love it. <laughs> it's just great. I mean, <laughs> Callum's excitement about Bruce, especially Painter Bruce, is absolutely infectious. Yeah. That's it, that's it. I could it's listen right. to you like, for another hour like, to, to talk <laughs> yeah. about this deck. Okay. Yeah, and um, then Wish yeah, Talisman as the last really cool bit is amazing to weld in and out with the L engineer and welder. So you can, like, so anyone that doesn't know, it's a two-mana artifact and it comes with three wish counters on it. And you can tap one mana, remove wish counter, and search library for a card. Then shuffle your library, and then your opponent gains control of Wishclaw Talisman. Uh, you can only activate it on your turn, but it doesn't say sorcery speed. So what you can do is tap it, activate it, and then you can either Goblin Welder it out or sack it to Goblin Engineer. And then you've sacrificed it, so they don't get it, but you still get the tutor effect. It's so mean. Honestly, right. if you did it like to a newcomer, they would be like, this is unfair, <laughs> Church, help me out. Yeah, yeah. Right. 
Ja, Judge would be coming over. Oh, this is Rules Enforcement Level. Regular, we don't right. do these crazy couples here. Like, <laughs> taxi backsies, <Dude>. please. <laughs> Get it yes. out of here. Yeah, stop bitching around. Um, yeah. I, like, if, if I can like say one thing about this deck is that it is fast. Mm -hmm. I played with the, uh, with my with my Doomsday deck against this uh against this um painter deck and I could not beat this deck. Like there's n there's not even a counter, right? There's no blast, there's no force of will, really, but I just lost because I was my Doomsday deck was slower yeah, really? than this painter deck. This painter deck is, is insane. Like it is so blazing fast with Mox Opals, LEDs and Lotus pedals, and even if the game goes long, you still have like the Ursa Sagas, and you have Emery and yeah, all the goblins. Like it kind of goes into the, into the mm -hmm. late game pretty well, right? Yeah. It, it, I, I, dude, I love this deck. This I, is I, so, so strong. So we've got our monthly on Saturday, London Legacy Monthly, and I was gonna play that blue black ad nauseum deck just to like spite Julian and oh. hopefully win with it. Land <laughs> nauseum. Exactly. But now I've seen this, I just I can't not play it. Obviously. Right. <laughs> it's beautiful. I. Yeah. I, I like my, my preferred style is the slower, like main deck blasts and, you know, kind of very mid rangey kind of thing. But I am a sucker for like fast artifact based combo as well. I just adore this deck. So. Yeah. This is like if, if the Epic Storm and uh, Velt and Painter had like a baby or so mm -hmm. something like that. Yep. It's super, super. They're, they're, they're like the sideboard is even crazy, I think. Yeah. So the sideboard is one defense grid, one ensnaring bridge, two ethers, one cannonist. I love that it's a combo deck that can play cannonist. It's just like. So cool. It's great. <laughs> and then I'll just skip a couple that's next. Then there's a Pity Needle, two Pyroblasts, one Red, Red Elemental Blast, and two Swan Song. So um, Swan Song's pretty cool. Like, I wonder what enchantments you're trying to hit. I guess you just don't care about the Swan, so it's just a bit more flexible than like Spell Pierce or Pyroblast, Fluster Storm or something. Can, can Swan Song hit artifacts or something? No. I, it, it can't. It can't. So, um, so um, Daniel and I, we were talking a bit before the event um, to actually swap the Swan Song for the new uh, Street of oh. Capanna card, I think yeah, you give your opponent um, two treasure tokens. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's I, I don't know what I don't can, know what that card's called, but uh, an offer you can't refuse. Right, something like that. And it's one blue instant. You know, you counter a non-creature spell, and then they get two treasures. Yeah, I think you definitely want to play that. Yeah, that seems cool. Right, but I mean, like I told him that giving your opponent two treasure counters is just just too much of a cost. and he should just stick to his one song instead. But maybe I'm stupid. But I don't know. if he's countering like. Khan or Meltdown, like the only things that matter, and then killing them on the following turn or like just having it up. It's pretty cool. Yeah, you also can can hit like, uh, especially like the big hate that people would bring in, like mm -hmm. let's say um, Collector Oof or, I mean, Nyrod isn't really a thing. Maybe it's going to become a thing again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would think if the deck is this fast. Um, yeah, I played against um, like uh, Martin Midmidden on Magic Online a few days ago, and he's like, he's just like a combo brewer through and through. And I was playing Painter and I had like a turn one Khan and I was like, okay, this is going to be great against him because it just, he always plays like Mox Opals and stuff. And then he goes turn one, Chrome Mox, put a, what's the four mana enchantment that whenever you cast a spell, you draw two cards? Uh, Song of Creation. <laughs> so he puts, of, of, course, of course, of course, of course, <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course it's Song of Creation. So he Dude. just puts Song of Creation under it and then passes the turn. And I'm like, okay, well, this is GG. I'm just going to play turn one Khan. And then he does that, that card, the, um, uh, enough for you can't refuse and I'm like holy shit he got me and he just destroyed me next turn he, he won and then he was using that to cast like 
he he would play a um a veil of summer and then he would cast his own lion's eye diamond or, or lotus petal and then counter it so making two treasures it was pretty sick. oh wow and then yeah. he had loads of loads of um wheels so like echovions and gamble for echovions and LEDs oh man and like, the, like, the, like the moment when you when you counter your lotus petal to get two lotus petals no <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> Cool. So, oh, so yeah, I miss Paper Magic so much. I want to play more of it. <laughs> so he wants to swap the swim songs to them. So I'm going to do that for my tournament on Saturday. And the last five cyber slots is full Lane of the Void. So nice, just fast card to get rid of graveyards. And then one Helm of Obedience. So I love that you can like side in the ley lines, and when you do, you bring in the helm, and then you can like you know engineer for it, and then weld it in or Emery cast it from the graveyard and stuff. That's smart. Yeah, really cool. It's not even it's not even like one of those random transformational sideboards where I feel like, oh, I'm gonna have this different combo kill now because they attack my my actual one. But this is just, you know, I want these ley lines because I need some kind of graveyard hate, uh, especially against like I guess Emrakul uh, as well. But then I have this one off that allows me to now kill out of nowhere in a different way as well, right? So so mm -hmm. I'm gonna have even more like turns where I just randomly kill them on maybe even the second turn. Yeah. Actually that's a good point. The one thing this deck is weak to like Eldrazi decks, so they're they're not played tons, so it's okay. Like your show and tell, your um, cloud post decks. I play a Soul Guy Lantern in the main deck, so I can exile the graveyard with the shuffles, triggers, and the stack and stuff. But he's kind of. I mean, he has a die spell bomb though. Oh, of course he does. Yeah, sorry, missed that. Yep, he's he's sort of everything. It's all good. Deck is perfect. Army, I love it. Yeah, Army knife of a deck. Yeah, Hell decks yeah. Bust, the deck's busted. <laughs> it is. Oh my god. I'm I just love Glimmerwald so much. I remember when I first saw that card like many years ago, it literally reads add one mana of any color and I thought like, <laughs> oh my god, that's the most powerful thing ever. And I mean, yeah, you have to sacrifice it at the, I think at the beginning of the end step, yeah, if you control mm -hmm. no artifacts. So I guess technically you could even just like play it without artifacts and then tap it. It's just like crazy. Mm -hmm. it, it's crazy. It's it's City of Brass without the downside, it feels like. I do slightly question playing full Glimmer Void and just two Spire of Inner Seeks. I think Spire is kind of, is often better, but not always. So I like mean, there's an argument, sorry to interrupt you, there's an argument to be made because of like Bola's Citadel. Like you want to conserve your life total a little bit at yeah, least. Yeah, so he has two City of Brass and French and Tomb. Like the life could go down fast. Um, it is kind of irrelevant with that, but if you're fighting hate in cyber games, like I've played Glimmer Void in Lantern decks a fair bit, and like if they just melt down or Hercules recall you, then you lose your lands as well as you got all your stuff. It's, it's yeah, hard to but, but, but you kind of lose, lose the game anyhow, right? Kind of. I guess I'm used to playing the, the slower versions that can fight through these things where he's just like, I'm going to kill you before you can cast it. I guess that's fair. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Love it. Well done, Daniel. I don't know if it was apparent in my voice there how much I liked it. <laughs> the admiration. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing your report about yeah, the cool. Legacy Monthly. And if you don't like... hear about it, it's because I, I suck and did it badly. Oh, then, then you will suddenly hear it from me. I, yeah. I'm in your, in your South England Legacy group or something. Oh, shit, yeah. So I know see. everything about your life. <laughs> <laughs> and cool. then rounding it out, in eighth place, we have Karimati Mekele. Did I pronounce it correctly? Uh, Karimati Mekele. It's like a umlaut over the A's. It's Finnish, I think. Yeah, it uh, looks I, very I finished. Think, I think he's from Denmark, I think. Oh, okay. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. And that's another blue-red Delver decklist. Oh, only one Pyroblast. No. <laughs> I, 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 like, I like the first thing we always point out. is like, how many Pyroblasts are in the main deck? <laughs> this is literally different. Like, we don't even talk about the creatures or, or you know, any other spells. Literally, how many Pyroblasts does it have? You know, it's like, that's all that matters. Honestly, <laughs> if you had told me to write down the decklist without ever having seen it, and you tell me this is as basic as it gets 
I would have come very close. I would have one fewer Brazen Borrower and one more Pyroblast. And I think otherwise I would have nailed the main deck. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Would you would you've got the fetch land split right? Yeah, he's got the right fetch land split. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's really hard to get the fetch land split wrong. <laughs> uh, you you know what I'm noticing though? Um a card we have talked about a lot, uh and my that might actually might be the biggest omission from Magic Online right now, and that's well, what's it called? Maddening, Maddening Hex, Hex, right? You, Maddening Hex, yes. You crazily read my mind. It was literally the next thing I was about to say was like, by the way, we don't see any in either of these lists. You're crazy, ready? Read I, mean, I don't know whether they haven't like. I mean, in the end, it's only two Java decks that we see here. Maybe a lot of mm-hmm. people have played them, and they just like don't didn't happen to make top eight. But from everything I have heard of people who have played with a card and paper, and it, you know, it feels like a little bit old school. Like all of a sudden, like we can't test this online. We need people on the ground to actually try out the card. Like the last time I heard about that was when uh, when Carsten Cotter was like trying out the Delve spells in 2015 and playing them out on paper because they were not Magic Online or like their set hadn't been released yet. And then the results came back and he said, oh my God, these are the most broken cards ever. And people were like, oh my God. <laughs> and yeah, Maddening Hex, not on Magic Online right now. It's, an, it's a curse, uh, one colorless and two red. And guys, help me out. I think whenever... A player? Is it a player or whenever an opponent? An, whenever an opponent oh. casts a non-creature spell, you roll a d6 and they take that much damage. And then you reattach it to another opponent. And of course, since it's a single-player game, uh, like a two-player game, it always stays on them, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. So on, on average, they take like three and a uh, half damage or something yeah, for every spell they play. Adds up pretty fast, right? It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I just saw um, Martin Nielsen on Doomsday play against a uh, Delva opponent who had Maddening Hex on the field. And and and, uh, and Martin goes like Dark Ritual, rolls a six, casts cast Doomsday, <laughs> rolls another six. And uh, and then he had to figure out a, a completely different pile because he was not allowed to... Ca- he went out to two life. He couldn't cast any non-creature spell after Doomsday anymore. It was, it was oh. crazy. It was absolute... <laughs> Like demoralizing, I think. <laughs> so That's you could tough. like use a fetch land to get one thing deeper into the pile or, or something, and then you need to use your devotion to blue to somehow. It's, it's crazy. It's absolute, <laughs> dude. It, it's wild. Um, I, I, I mean, this card is a little, a quote unquote, inconsistent, right? Because like you know, it is after all like rolling a d6, and you might just end up rolling a lot of ones, for example, in a game, or like a lot of sixes in the other game, but. This card is absolutely busted. It is also the reason why people play more Hydroblast effects in paper than in online. Because a lot of control decks bought out Force of Wills against Delva. That's just like what they do. And then Maddening Hex always resolves against control. And then, you know, they just simply lose the game, right? And huh. maybe maybe that's why uh, the lens list um, above had like so many power, um, Hydroblasts maybe. Because I, I don't know how... Yeah, I don't know about land specifically, but, you know... If your if deck is literally only non-creature spells and lands, then uh, this might be a problem. Yeah, I could see it. It like um, Max Stortion, Max Gilmore said he's played it in paperway. He was playing like I think a mid-rangey deck and kind of pr- play protect the queen with it because a lot of decks in the end will just have to cast non-creature spells. Like maybe not against DNT or something as an example, but a lot of them will, and then you can just play your game and they have to play into it eventually. Yeah, Protector Queen is a really good way to put it, right? Um, people used to do that with Card of Cunning, but of course, Card of Cunning can be pyroblasted. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Maddening Hex, uh, yeah, that card is gonna that card is gonna hurt a yeah. lot of times. Like looking like, it up on paper it right be now, it's like, endinged, but like still, they take some damage, and then you can fight about that. Yeah, they take some damage, and they also like they don't trade up or down. It's a three mana exchange. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Looking at the price, prices right now, so it's about €4 Euro in paper. Um, I wouldn't mind picking up some of those if, if I was yeah. playing that deck. 
Yeah, I could really see it. Like, I kind of, I don't know if it'll, it'll, I think in paper you can play like one or two in the sideboard of Delver and it's just very good. And then, yeah, I don't know where you would go with like a mid-range deck of just protecting. Probably just is Delver. Maybe you play two in the main yeah. deck and you just make control players cry horrifically. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I already, like e like even back in Japan, like two months ago, I already saw Japanese control players pick um, picking up this card to fight the control mirror. So, um, like, you know, just control decks picking up this card. I remember you saying that, actually. I completely forgot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, th like, this, this, <laughs> card is, this card is something. Like, um, you, I think I saw it, like, in a, in a four-color Uro deck before, or, like, in a Jeskai deck. Yeah. Might try and get some people playing it uh, monthly as well. Say, come on. <laughs> try it out. Yeah, that kind of, uh, you know what, I wonder, they're probably going to put it in, into treasure chests if they ever program it. I mean, it's a curse, so it's, <laughs> Wizards has had some trouble properly programming curses on Magic Online. Um, Rapper Cheap can probably tell you about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we will see. Uh, you, you guys think this is going to be on Magic Online in half a year's time? It could be. I think it could be. They've they've changed Minsk and Boo. I don't know when it's coming, but the the red board or a magical line that says a card isn't playable has been changed so it means it's coming at some point so they could yeah they, they probably should um, yeah. i'm looking forward to it yeah i just love stuff that punishing punishes like i'm kind of not players. looking forward to it because <laughs> the card <laughs> is mean but yeah it'll be good to have everything there cool um before i move on i i have two quick questions for you guys because i've seen those two cards talked about quite a lot and how hard they are to find on magic online and that's displacer kitten and currency converter a Displacer Kitten we already highlighted last week, uh, basically like a new combo enabler for, well, the fairy decks, uh, I guess, that that's the most common way to do it. And Currency Converter I've actually seen in, in Loam decks quite a lot, and for those who don't know what it does, it's an artifact, one colorless. Whenever you discard a card, you may exile that card from your graveyard. Two colorless, and tap, draw a card, then discard a card so you can loot. And then if you tap it and... Oh god, I'm so bad at explaining these cards. <laughs> and and then you can also tap it to put a card exiled with currency converter into your graveyard. If it's a land card, create a treasure token. If it's a non-land card, create a two-two black rogue creature token. Do, do these wizards should really be thinking about podcasts because explaining these cards, especially by <laughs> me, is just like the worst thing ever. <laughs> you you know we, we should play a, what, what's it called a game of of um telephone where, where i explain the card and then the listeners in the discord they they type out what they think the card does and then we feed it back into the podcast like you know hashtag google translate mtg yeah. in the end it's, like complete, it's like a creature it's four four vigilance it's like oh yeah sure that's it what Julian said <laughs> but yeah uh, um yeah this card is incredibly hard to find like i like as i mentioned earlier i was streaming lone pox uh earlier today and i couldn't i could only get my hands on one single currency converter and the lone pox list played three copies and it is it is very much the engine of the uh, um, of the deck entirely because you know you discard so many cards you want to like you know like recur later um also like, a couple of blanks i yeah like one of my um discord friends you know was just had happened to have two copies so like, i was able to um to run it but i think it's based on a, on a commander product i think and it's like supply is super super low unfortunately yeah the, it's again this um not in a real set of magic online non-draftable so it's like kappa cannoneer and displacer kittens currently like 80 tickets or something ridiculous so yeah but regarding the cards i have some thoughts yeah i think currency converter is really good it i don't know if it slots into decks that are actually that incredible like but what it does in those decks is very strong i kind of it's it's easy to under undervalue like you know you just got a card and you 
put it back in it's just like once per turn kind of cycle around and you can get a treasure or a 2-2 creature token but like as the you play it in grindy decks and stuff so people have played it in lands and stuff some of his synergy when you discard a card to mox diamond or you like cycle the tranquil thicket and stuff and then in pox and stuff if you're both discarding a card for all your poxy reasons then you do just find that you don't need to do the draw a card, discard a card. And then if you get into the late game after doing all the grinding, you do just have this activation as well to loot. And then, yeah, you just kind of pull ahead, make some treasure tokens, make some two twos. And it just like sits there grinding, making some value for this one mana artifact is pretty powerful, actually. So yeah, yeah, I think it's a good card. You can, I mean, you can get, you can also get it like off Saga. Yeah. And also, like this, I've I've seen a Japanese list with a currency converter and standstill, for example, oh, which it. I think is super super powerful, right? Turn oh, one. you can even like go eight card discard. Oh, I guess you can also just like activate the two mana ability. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably better. <laughs> oh, now I want to play standstill on this. Oh, <laughs> so many decks oh, don't, to play. Don't. There's That's, no that's place a for standstill. brilliant idea. I love it. I love it. Oh, dude, you're already locked in. You're you're locked into Daniel's four color painter. Yeah, it's right. true. I, I have painters. I'm looking at them on my desk at the moment. Yeah, cool. I think I think we'll see it as like a kind of role player, slight build around in some decks and stuff. It's it's a cool one. Hopefully, it becomes more available. I think it'll go down a magical line, and people will carry on opening it, and then it'll I think be... it's kind of a similar role to like Retrofitter Foundry, right? As your one off uh, for value in the in the saga decks. Uh, it yeah. depends on like what your deck is geared towards. Whether you want to like go a little bit more aggressive or more, well, <laughs> in the way of currency converter, whatever that's actually doing. But <laughs> uh, you guys saying this this kind of seems to say because right now I think it's twenty two tickets and this place I get is insane. It's seventy two tickets. Yeah. Uh, and we talked about this place I get, right? That card is a real legacy card now. Yeah. So thoughts on this is it's 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 very good and it'll be played and it'll be kit and decks. So I think it's not quite as good as I originally thought. Um, for some reasons, the main one was, I, I my reaction was like, okay, you just play it in like a okay you have to play four to ferry then you have to play some zero mana artifacts and that cost is very very low and my reaction was like god if to ferry is just the combo card as well this is insane because it's like the perfect combo card but what it does is it, when i tried it it forces you into play patterns you don't actually want to do in your kind of blue mid-range good stuff deck so mistress bauble you're encouraged to crack it early or like Lotus Pedal, you're encouraged to try and pull ahead on mana because you've drawn it in your hand and you want to use it. You don't want to be holding on to these cards, like, you know, not cracking and Mishra's Bauble is putting you down a card. You're, you're essentially mulliganing. And so with the combo, you're trying to minus three to fairy to bounce the artifacts, like cast it again. But you're only getting this in play, like turn four kind of earliest, unless you've got some Lotus Pedals, in which case you need to play four in your deck because you have to have two non-cracked when you start comboing. So, so what I found was like you're then playing to fairy. You're trying to like bounce something to get some tempo, but very often they have like a creature that can attack it down. So you then you play it into two creatures and plus it, hoping it lives. It just basically made you play to fairy and the zero mana artifacts in ways that you don't usually want to play. And so I found the deck kind of even though when it goes off, even before comboing with this place of kitten, you know, you cast a ponder, you blink the to fairy, you draw a card off the to fairy, like you draw tons of cards and it looks really fancy and explosive. Actually, comboing was felt almost like a little bit win more, and it felt like you're trying to assemble like a splinter twin, like a three mana thing and then a four mana thing that is harder to disrupt because Teferi is part of the equation. But getting them both together on the board without losing too much tempo and being, uh, you know, having them pyroblast and dazed out and stuff was harder than I expected. So, my reaction at the end of all that is I think if Cat is good, I think it's going to be like a pretty good maybe chalice ancient tomb deck around them with probably like the blue white signet to play to fairy 
better off soul lands and stuff and with that then you can like because displacer kitten does combo with khan great creator as well uh i want to go down that approach more next but um they're just hard to find so i haven't got around to playing it but I'm just so happy we have you on the podcast because that's, <laughs> that, that, that's kind of insight I wouldn't have been able to provide. <laughs> well, yeah, so Max Storchen lent me them for a bit, so I got to play a little bit, and he he was then trying a bunch of different versions. He played it in, like, Esper, and then Yuri and Esper, and then uh, Jeskai stuff. Like, Anorak's been playing that a lot. And then he tried, like, Check Pile with it as well. And he we, we came to that conclusion about, like, uh, weird play patterns that just on um intuitive until you start playing it and then you realize like oh, it just it makes you like not play to fairy on turn three and not crack your baubles and then you kind of lose for not oh, that's doing really that weird then yeah it, it could be that our sample size was small but that's 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 uh where we got to and i i think um a list with vile and recruiter of the guard could be better um, Ooh, now we're getting spicy. Yeah, nice. yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, so I think you need ways to generate tempo and play a mid-range game in a slightly different way than just playing good stuff cards. Because if you're 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 playing towards this combo end games, so you're like, okay, if I'm having a combo end game, I don't need as much card advantage. Or if you're playing these good stuff cards with uh, swords and ponder and brainstorm and force and prismatic ending and all this stuff, you do like none of them are generating card advantage. So you go from no card advantage in the early and mid game into my card advantage is also my combo so the kitten and the, and the teferi so people are often fighting over your card advantage so once they stop one of them you're like ah oh, crap i'm kind of just like playing these cantrips for more cantrips and removal and hoping that your payoffs and your combo cards are resolving and you're fighting around that and it's it's the same card but two different angles then if you get cut off that you're you're kind of swimming in no card advantage or end game water <laughs> So we'll Ooh, see. That was deep. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, you explained very well. Explained that, that was my experience of well. one league with Ken. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> you know, Thanks. also, that's what I usually call, um, what I like to call the, when I talk about specific matchups, the dynamics of the matchups, right? Mm -hmm. Where you, you, you actually play it out and, and you come to the conclusions, right? Like you mentioned, oh, a lot of these cards, they technically work together, but um, the, the bobbles and stuff I want to use early on, then I don't have them available for the combo. And maybe I don't want to play to fairy there, yada, yada, yada. And that's, uh, when it comes to like semantics, that's what I call the dynamics like of a deck or of a matchup. And I think that's one of those things that are really, like not impossible, but really hard to just theorize about. Yeah. And that's why it's important to this is why, people actually yeah, figuring this out. Playing games is just so important. It just cannot be stressed enough. There's no way around it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, when I saw like some of the lists people were playing and um, Francis was played like a 60 card, just Esper good stuff list. He he just kind of put together with some cats and then four Teferis and stuff. I looked through it and I thought this was insanely strong. Like like bordering on broken i was like this just looks amazing because your combo is so compact you just play one mox amber then you have the three kittens which are good on their own because you can blink to fairy and then he came to the same conclusion as well he realized the weird thing so um on tuesday he was he had gone to a yorian version with um recruiters as well trying that out and stuff and he yeah i think came to the same idea of like it just doesn't quite play out but we both looked at the list we we're like wow this is insane until playing it so yeah, that's great. That, that you know, that's just amazing to me. That's <laughs> that's that's what testing is for. Seriously, that's yeah. that's mm. what you need to learn. Cool. So uh, before we close it out, with a bunch of listener questions. Um, I 
still want to give shoutouts to Fuss65, because Fuss65 on the weekend won the Legacy Challenge with Doomsday without dropping a single match. And Hell so, yeah. I mean, it happens every once in a while, but it's not that, it's not that common, right? So all the more glory to Fuss65. By the way, with Tombstalker on the sideboard. Man, Man, that's is, wild. is that yeah. something you want to do? That's why. We have, yeah, we had this discussion um, like uh, a couple of months ago, I think, where people argued like, "Hey, Tombstalker can't be pyroblasted, but it's like it's inferior to to Merc because you know it's all it's quote unquote only a five five and not an eight eight. <laughs> um, well, but I guess if you just keep plowing all that, um, all the Merc tides, then Tombstalker is technically the the best threat on the field. I guess right. you also go wide because there's also mentor on the sideboard, so I guess yeah. there's, there's another like, approach. I, I I don't dislike it, but uh, it like for the for the tombstalkers to be good, it's required that you ha you have to plow all murktides basically. So if there are no murktides on the field, then tombstalkers good. If there are murktides on the field, then murktides bad. Uh, if then then tombstalkers bad. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. But you you plow one of their big murktides, and then you attack with tombstalker four times, and then you're even. With the damage, <laughs> they're so big. Sick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we go from the deepest of analysis that Calamar right, provides. Like, like, to, to this. like the most, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Just never play a creature, blank the removal. Oh, exactly. can't advantage. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So yeah, we're gonna close it out. We received four listener questions on the everyday eternal discard. We got the aggressive B, quoting. I know it's always an animated discussion when the subject of should Delva side out bolts against Doomsday is brought up. It's related to the utility of surgical extraction versus Doomsday. But guys, why did we put that in there? That's not even a question. <laughs> right. Uh, well, I, I'm just gonna like answer this real quick. Um, like because I I get this question a lot. Um, pe people always ask me, hey, I'm like, how is surgical extraction and lightning bolt against Doomsday? Um, my short answer: it is um, better than the average card, but not very good. That's my. That's basically my final answer. Like, like there are games where you, where you, you know, just buy a turn because you shuffled your opponent's uh, five card pile, and there are games where you just bolt them for lethal post doomsday. But it is, I would only leave them in the deck if there is literally nothing else. That's, yeah, that's I, I would try and never have them in. As painter, I side out bolts and don't bring in surgicals if yeah. for, for whatever that's worth. Yeah, yeah in the end, it's opportunity cost, right? Uh, if yeah. the card you keep in over those cards is better, then mm. you, you do it. And otherwise, you don't. It's that, that's also by these questions, um, not directly from the aggressive B, but in general, right? That, that That's one thing people often like to ask when they are learning a deck or even a format. Uh, should I bring in this against that deck? And it really, it depends. That's just like, that. that's the lawyer answer. That, uh, when <laughs> yeah. I was like learning law and stuff, like it, the correct answer to almost any question my professor would ask was, it depends. And yeah. th they would be like, oh, yes, he said it depends. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Although I, I will say on uh, this, like, just this this idea in general of, like, you know, you should board this in or you shouldn't board this in. As someone that's, it's like, say I was playing Doomsday and I'm thinking, okay, Bolt and Surgical aren't good against me. As exactly you said, the opportunity costs and, like, it's better than the average card. If you're playing against something and you think, you know what? They might just have nothing better than bolts or surgicals. They might have a cyborg that's geared to fair matchups completely. And they just think, you know, like if I leave in four bolts, maybe I can get them because I'm not going to board in these other cards that just don't do anything. Maybe there's more removal and stuff in the sideboard. So when you're playing against this thing, and even if you think it shouldn't be boarded in against me, you should always be kind of wary of something that's in the middle or asked about a lot because until someone asks that question as well, they don't know. So they could have it. And so pretty yeah. much. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay. Next question coming to us from Kinda. I saw some rumblings on Twitter that Flamer <laughs> is the best creature in Legacy. Do you agree or think something else? 
Guys, what do you think? What is the best creature in Legacy right now? I, I guess for the context of this, uh, we're going to exclude Chaos Harlequin because we're not going <laughs> to play course, that diabolic course. game. I mean, wait, I replied with Stormcrow. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, yeah. Okay. You know what? Actually, Stormcrow, I asked this question on Twitter and it received the most upvotes by far. See? There, there you go. There well, you go. Upvotes because it's wrong, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it's Big Dragon. Like, just pretty easily, yeah. I think. Yeah, for me, for me, it's basically two cards that really stand out, and then we have a bunch of cards who compete for thought. And for me, it's just Murktide and Endurance. Yeah, like I Murktide think Endurance is the best. Two. Yeah, Endurance is basically the best sideboard card, uh, or maybe not the best sideboard card, but the best sideboard creature yeah. by far. Uh, I, I have, I have DLC at number three. Okay, yeah, uh, I got Murktide at number one and Thus Oracle number two, and then there's literally nothing else beyond that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's no, nothing happens after Thus. Oh yeah, and then probably like even Mind Sensor on you know like a. <laughs> Yeah. 500 <laughs> plays or something. Uh, yeah. Opposition Ooh, Asian. We, if this was like a PlayStation 1 game, you, you just got like the amazing sound. You found the secret challenger. You just unlocked <laughs> the secret level. Now, after M. Bison, you play against Avon Mind Sensor. Oh my goodness. Just just give me a bucket <laughs> I want to throw up. But yeah, I, I think afterwards, there's there's like a big pool and I don't know how to rate them. Um, there's Dragonrage Channeler. There's like probably Uro. There's Effish Reclaimer. There's, yeah, definitely Thalthus Oracle. Um, uh, Brand's to... okay. But which one? Grizzlebrand is okay. Oh, yeah, Grizzlebrand right, is super, super. I mean, it, it took something. Like, to me, Grizzlebrand has been the best creature in Legacy for a while, but Murktide and Endurance, they take the yeah. cake. Grizzlebrand decks are just not... I mean, I say this as three reanimators top-hated on Sunday, the Legacy <laughs> Challenge, but reanimators kind of... I haven't seen it as much for a while. Or Tarmogolf. Like, I can literally see Tarmogolf sitting somewhere in the crying. corner, like, oh, looking at, at previous yeah. GP top-8s and everything and, like, crying. Yeah. I love how, oh, I mean, I love, it's interesting, actually, more like how Delva is just not in the discussion at all. I mean, Delva sometimes gets cut from Delva. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I think it's pretty much agreed upon that DRC is just a better creature, both in, like, dedicated Delva decks and in, in like, these slightly more mid-rangey Delva decks. By so, so much. <laughs> yeah, such a good card. Cool. Uh, and speaking of Joel Granahad again, uh, coming back to one of hey. your opponents. Um, Joel, how's it going? He's asking, as a Savannah supporter, my one question at the moment is, when do we get the Safari Patreon tier? Kai, do you want to answer this? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as resident Safari expert? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, wait, what? I should answer this? I, I thought this was like directly to Julian. No, no, no. It's, it's, oh, you it's think? That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what would be a Safari Patreon tier? I'm trying to think. A discard. Well, you get to go on the Jeff, Jeff, Safari, obviously. You know, I've actually talked about maybe having a Safari. Like, I think we talked to, to Anders, right? When Anders asked us about feedback to Tier 1 Khan and uh, everything. F from my perspective, I could see us providing something like a... But it's not a cash prize. What would it be? Like like a experience prize or whatever. Like a non-cash or card prize that you win a Safari in Kenya and you stay at the hotel. You still get, I mean, it's not ideal because you still have to buy like something like a 500 to 1,000 euro flight. So a lot of people might just be locked out of it despite winning it. But I, it would be so cool to have an event and the winner wins a safari because safaris can be like quite yeah. expensive. They can also be rather cheap, but that would be sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd play that event. You would, right? right. Yeah. A couple of years ago, there were events in Italy where you would win like a Rolex or a Mont Blanc <laughs> pen and and then there would just like somebody happen to be there to buy them up right after the event, which yeah. which kind of feels like, a, Kai, do you know like Pachinko? I do, I do. I played Pachinko myself, yeah, a bit. 
Yeah, I, I've heard the way it works is like you, you win these balls and they are not inherently worth anything. But then right. just like around the corner, there, there just happens to be a shop who will buy them for cash from you. Exactly. Uh, how but, you get around like gambling laws in Japan? Yeah, it's it's a it's a little it's it's like a long story, but basically you you can you there are ways how you can like you know just get away with things. Um, but yeah, gambling is not allowed in Japan, and I think at the um the pachinko like uh places you you can exchange those like little marbles and you know just little balls for um like actual like goods, right? Like like I don't know um like toys or consoles, Switch Nintendo Switch <laughs> things like that. Yeah. Okay, so some real stuff because I like in my head there, I, I imagine like like maybe a kid playing at the pachinko places all their life and they get like all these like random bad prices and then like ten years later they learn they could have actually ex- exchanged them for like proper money and that's how it's supposed to work and they just like <laughs> <Yeah>. didn't know. <laughs> so yeah, so but, fairy patron here. Mm-hmm. But that's um, so but that, that's so cool because like you know that's something you're gonna remember for the rest of your life, right? Like a cash price you would probably just forget in like a year or two. You just burned through it, right? With your pachinko addiction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but seriously, that would be amazing. It's it, it's, I guess you know, if the, uh, let's say, mm, okay, it's kind of complicated. I was gonna say if the organizer of the event was to also provide the flight, or rather, um, let's say, um, a voucher or something. Hey, we give you like seven hundred euros towards your flight to Kenya, and then your safari and your hotel stays for free. Um, uh, maybe, maybe. Um, <laughs> but we completely drifted apart from the the Safari Patreon tier topic. Um, maybe maybe we're gonna have it someday. <laughs> I'd have to work it out. And then last question coming to us, Stancil. How is European legacy different from Japanese legacy? Kalom, okay. uh, so, tell us. Yeah, Kalom, tell, t- tell us. I know all about this. <laughs> uh, dude, like this is like a question. Uh, thank you, Stencil. Uh, for this can fill up an entire episode. I think um, we might have talked about it a bit in like one of the earlier podcasts where I was still a guest, right? An where intern. I to- yeah, where I talk- yeah, I was an intern, like a, a non a non paid uh, intern. <laughs> <laughs> the short answer is uh, there is just. Just, just infinite legacy going on in Japan, like way more than Euro combined almost. And um, you can you can play a bunch. You can also test a lot of things. And after a week, you might just know the um, like a, a new deck like inside out. Is it like a real life Magic Online? Because you can also get a lot of games in Magic Online. Yeah, pretty pretty much so. Um, <laughs> so why, why did you ever move away from that? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I know, do, but yeah, <laughs> right. Like, uh, but it also makes you like want to buy more cards obviously because like you, you are trying out so like i think like and um, when i lived in japan i had so many like maybe in the sideboard type of cards you know like like cards you you really don't need as necessarily as uh, other cards but since there are so many tournaments you might as well just get them and you know just give them a spin something like that and, and your collection gets just absolutely huge over time i think that's what, what happens if you play a lot of like legacy or modern uh, and people and, buy from the local shops, right? They do. Always do. Always do. Never buy online. And that is, <laughs> dude. I like. I don't know. I mean, like, I yeah. If this like, if there's like one thing I wanna like, I wanna uh, call out there is like, just do. If, if if the prices are not ridiculous in your local game store, just you know, just go there. Just you know, like people will remember, and uh, it's it's good for everyone. And uh, after all, we wanna play events, right? So. Awesome. Awesome. Guy, so before we close it out, uh, you you want to shout out one of the events that you organized that are coming up in Berlin? Next Saturday, there is the High Five Legacy in Berlin. It is a proxy tournament. Um, You can play um 
a few proxies if you want, but for the first time, we decided to do like unlimited amount of proxies. So um, even like modern players can pick up a legacy deck and, and try it out. I think that's our main goal. Also, like to you know to just recruit new new um, people for the for the for the awesome format. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, just say, you know, just if, if there are no stores that push um, that push your format, then just you know, just gotta do it yourself. Cool. cool. What, what is your format? Is it like part modern, part legacy? Or? Uh, oh, it's it's uh, it's it's just legacy. Okay. But, okay. Cool. But I was thinking, um, if people are like, do p people generally like uh, side events too? Because like some people drop after like two or three rounds, right? And I thought if there's like something else, you know, maybe like a side event. Do people really drop from these events? Like, I, I only have, like, a Satara Magic to go on from, and people will play the entire event, even if they're, like, 0-4. Mm. My experience during the monthly legacies with, like, 40 to 50 players is I bring along a Andrea Mangucci's Vintage Cube, like, proxied out and stuff, and I say anyone that wants a cube, they can, and we fire it, like, once. Everyone likes to kind of carry on playing and then also just, like, chill and watch their friends and chat and stuff. So... Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. My experience is the, at the smaller events, like, under 50 people, they don't to really go for side events but ah okay yeah. yeah that's a good point maybe um yeah maybe you have to note that for example frizing like despite this this big giant legacy tournament there's literally nothing else going on in frizing and that day so you, you really don't have much of a choice right like you mm -hmm. can't like if you drop then there's literally nothing you can do in the area but in but berlin is still like you know it's the, slightly the, bigger it's slightly <laughs> bigger as you know it's like it's, it's yeah it's a trashy capital so uh there are like if you drop you can, you can still do stuff you know maybe um, to keep the people around maybe i thought maybe you want to like you know just have some sort of like a like a small side event in any any yeah. form yeah okay so, so you're basically competing um with the people who who are putting on like a anti-capitalist protest and friedrich sign and you're like you know what i, I wanna i wanna have something i want these people to stay at my event and, and exactly not and yeah, then keep, yeah. and keep drops and yeah <laughs> <laughs> with a couple thousand dollar cards quit uh so where exactly in Berlin is that happening and where can people find more about uh, more information about that so I posted it in the in the face. There's a Facebook group called I think what is it called? Like I think tournaments in Berlin or something like that. Uh, I posted it there, and there's also Germany is a little like old-fashioned. Um, there is a WhatsApp group with like all the legacy players in it. Um, I'm of course the admin. There is. Yeah, I, I <laughs> yeah I I recently became the admin of the group, and um, basically that's that's where Ooh. I post things and because. At the beginning, I kind of want to make it a, almost like a Berlin-only thing and just like start to cultivate the um, the Berlin community. And then once it's big enough, then then other people can also come from other cities. But I kind of want the want Berlin to to you know to, to kind of like build almost, its own uh, build its own base first. You know, it sounds it almost sounds like you're building some kind of cult. Like I don't know, some almost kind right, of like yeah, fight club. <laughs> dude. <laughs> <laughs> I recently became the admin and now I want to cultivate uh -oh, my local uh -oh, Berlin followers. Uh -oh, and once yeah. we've grown big enough, we will go out and we'll, I don't know, attack Hanover legacy. Dude, yeah, yeah. No, in a few months, it might go crazy. Evil Kai, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. So I'm looking forward to seeing the results of that. Yep. If you want to support Everyday Eternal instead of Kai's aspirations to becoming a world leader or something, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Helps us out big time. Helps other people out even more finding the podcast whenever they try to find news about legacy or you can join our patreon patreon.com slash everyday channel and become part of our discord crew thank you so much for your support especially for our eternal witness tier supporters tommy hinks testacular sebastian Holaga, Guillaume, hannah wife sean dewey and severin schwarzhuber 
And our Grizzle Print here supporters, Victor Benatzt, Bachi Butts, Scott Monroe, Jeremy Gates, Henry Cockutz, Tom Hap, and Paragon Games in St. Louis. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at EternalMTG. You can find me at itsjulian23 on Twitter. I stream every once in a while as itsjulian on Twitch. And guys, where can people find you, Callum? Uh, at Callum Smith MTG on Twitter is the best place for me. Right, and, and, I'm, and yeah, and I'm Sautarix on all social media platforms. And oh, also, my homepage sautarix.com. Oh, perfect. Julian will never not be jealous of like having it all un together. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe you know, maybe I should actually go back and finally pick like a proper nickname again because it's Julian. Is, I thought it was kind of cool, but it's somewhat lame. On the other hand, like if, if you've been known as Julian for a while and then you pick a nickname, nobody like nobody's gonna use it, right? If yeah. I call myself I mean, Magma yeah. Lord Two Thousand. I mean, like you kind of have to do like a whole rebranding of yourself, and I don't know if that's yeah, that that wouldn't work. <laughs> yeah, it's not, I, people are gonna, the moment you change it, but like, it's not Julian Twenty Three. They're gonna call you that. Yeah, hundred percent. What about Magma Lord Two Thousand? I just like thought about that. <laughs> Magma Lord. I don't know. Just do something Epic, stupid. Yes. Like on Epic. Magic Online, I have Clout Goat Ranger. So. Oh, that's amazing, dude. <laughs> I think you also pick, you picked one of the best pictures, you know, the, the, the eyeball. The eye, the eye. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you also got a 5-0 with Painter, right? Actually, we should... We should um, the Are you saving the Twitch videos? Otherwise, we mm -hmm. are going to link them in the show notes and it's going to be an incentive for people to go because it, is, yeah. it might disappear after two weeks. If anyone, Yeah, there is... There is I, I'm not saving them, actually. Sorry, it's going to be there for two weeks. But yeah, if anyone wants to watch the Painter stream, I streamed for the first time in months uh, the other night. And now we spoiled it. It's the 5 and all. <laughs> yeah. And it got better because we got the best quote from um, Matt Sole ever. It said, like, Painter is the best deck for stupid people to set to feel smart. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we're going to call it a day. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for supporting us. And see you again next time. Bye -bye. See you, everyone. Cheers.